Bring it in and welcome back. Read option back and better than ever, as our friend Mike Greenberg has said for many years. Uh, we've been away for about a week and a half, almost two weeks now. Uh, just be honest with you guys. I was very burnt out, had some crazy stuff going on and just needed a little mental reset. Uh, other things on top of that, our buddy Vito was traveling all around the world in places like Greece and Spain or Italy, Rome, wherever he was. He was all over the place doing stuff. Yeah. And we'll hear about that as it comes. Uh, and Scotty's busy primo, just like dad vibes, cutting the lawn, also drinking, traveling, going to weddings and whatnot. So we all have been busy. We've all been doing a bunch of stuff. Uh, we had great 4th of July. And now we're back and better than ever with the whole crew back together again. So we'll start with the world traveler, Vito. How are you, sir? You've had an eventful, what, two weeks, basically, that you've just been going around like a madman. Yeah, no, it's been fun, man. Went to went to Rome, uh, hit up Florence, went back down to Rome. Uh, my sister got married there to Luigi. Uh, so out. beautiful. Yeah, it was amazing. Love them. Um, I was the bro of honor, which was uh, pretty. Sp- so I, there's pictures of me like she's walking in. She had a huge. I call them tails, like the head tail and the dress tail. You know, whatever they call. I think that's, call, I think that's you know. what it. What's, what's yeah, whatever the word, that is. So a veil and a train. A train. Yeah, there they're both tails. Well, you, uh, combine, so, you combine trail, train, veil, tail. Wow, that actually works. Oh. I didn't even know that. Thank you very much. Yeah, so this go. is actually, this is perfect. So Here for you, buddy. Yes, the correct term when there's two of them is a tail. And uh, <laughs> so uh, there's like pictures of me on the altar, right? Like, like moving them out. They got married in a beautiful church. They went to this villa. It was incredible time. Go to Greece. Go to a resort. It burns down. Uh, have to leave. Get rerouted to another uh, hotel. Then we get to another spot. Great spot. End up at like, you know, a, a really nice resort in Greece, in Athens, and it was on the water. It was beautiful. An amazing time. Uh, I feel like you kind of gl- glanced over the whole the resort burnt yeah, what down aspect of this. <laughs> well, yeah. So like we're on a boat and we're going back and we see smoke and. Uh, I don't know, man. Like it was wild. It was definitely our resort and the resort was like, it wasn't a giant building. Everyone had like individual villa kind of things. And so like some of them burnt down, some of them didn't. We went back the next day and they told us like, you cannot go back to your place. And like, what do you get? Like I'm going. So I just walked down, walk away from all them. They're yelling at me. I don't care. And get into the place. First of all, they, these people who fought the fire did an incredible job because it's like burned the outside, but everything inside was good. Uh, on a lot of the places and um, luckily ours fire didn't come too close and uh, the only thing that I lost we lost was like shit that was in the laundry center they mm-hmm. did like free laundry there but um, no it was we were worried about our passports and everything but we had to stay overnight in a different hotel without knowing anything that happened so the next day when I get back there we grab the passports we get everything we're good to go and right. well, that's good uh, we I was because I meant moved. to that was gonna be my next follow-up be like yeah what about all your shit but yeah I'm glad so you I at least got the important shit and- back yeah, no, we got the passport, which is really all that matters. And then, like, the biggest thing, everyone was completely fine. Um, but the evacuation plan was wild. There were, like, helicopters and boats. And, like, it, the whole thing was insane. Uh, but everyone is safe. And everyone got rerouted to a new hotel. So we were all hanging out there. Flew back to America. Hit up Philly. And now in Cleveland. Um, yeah, I don't know, man. Just just uh, lucky to have such an amazing 
family and wedding and then, and then my other sister going to Greece with her. It was just a really great two weeks. And I don't think I'll, like that's a trip of a lifetime for me. So what a world um, I'm buzzing. I'm buzzing for sure. And I'm just, just over here. Just, I'm just over here bored. Cause I, you know, I'm just, just a little tired. You know, that was my excuse. <laughs> you were, you were, you know, escaping fires in Greece and hey, going down old buildings in Rome. And I'm just like, hey, I had a, I had a fortune cookie that said excitement, excitement follows you. And I was like, this is actually very true. This yeah. is <laughs> yes, the generic fortune cookie that exists for everybody. Yeah. But hey, it's fate, right? It's fate. There you That's go. They say. Uh, Scotty and I hung out on 4th of July. Scotty yeah. came over. We had a nice little, little day drink cookout here at the house. Had a great Let's turn go. up. Uh, Scotty and, and his lovely bride son came through. Told them not to bring anything, and they brought a ton of shit. And uh, of they, they, they and killed it. Dog. Dog. And in, <laughs> including came? a dog. Nittany came. <laughs> Nittany oh. came, hung out. Uh, yeah, and it was. Uh, yeah, that was that was fun. That was a good crowd. It was a good way to good time. Kind of like it was. It was just a mosaic of people from well, different corners of your life. That that was it was so fun. As you get old, especially because like if you if you ever threw parties or anything in college, like you would have people that would come through that were all from the same group. And because you are, you know, y'all knew each other from something yeah. or you cross paths once or twice. You try to do that as an adult, especially two years removed from us having any parties with COVID, you know, <laughs> I'm in three years, honestly, because it was like summer of 19 was the last time we really did anything like this. Other than like smaller get togethers, you're just scrolling through your phone for anyone who, you know, you're just like, Oh yeah, I know this person. They live in this area still. I'll see what they're up to. And I'm just like, all right, this person I know too. So I had people yeah. from Sirius XM. I had people from the bar I work at. I, you know, friends like Scotty, who I know, obviously through the pod, and it was just one of my friends. I, all sorts of people who came through, and we had a great time. Yeah. Cooked up a bunch of food, drank a lot of beers. It was a good day. It was a good, good Fourth of July, to say the least. Hell yeah! Um, including some friends from high school who happened to be down visiting another friend of mine who I literally hadn't seen since I was in high school. So that was also fun. I was like, yeah, hey, come through. Why not? It's um, amazing. Which they also did one of the most hilarious moves. And this will be the last non-sports things that we'll get into sports stuff. Cause you know, that's what people listen to this pod for, but this cracked me up. They were all visiting each other and they hadn't seen each other hung out in a while. So they were drinking on Sunday night before 4th of July. And they were like, yeah, like we went and we bought you, we know you like bourbon. So we went and bought you like this, like, you know, kind of nice bottle of bourbon. And it, you know, it's, it's, it's good. I'm having some of it right now. And they went, and I look at it, I'm like, yeah, this bottle's been opened. And there's like, like, <laughs> a, like a, like a quarter of it's gone. And they were like, yeah, we ran out of alcohol last night. And so we thought you just wouldn't mind. That's amazing. That's and, such a bro. Yeah. And I was just a, like, like, honestly, that's hilarious. Like, I'm not right? even mad. First of all, you didn't have to bring me anything. So thank right. you for doing that. Anything is, is above and beyond as it is. But the fact that you were just like, yeah, we were really drunk, but we wanted to keep drinking and we just didn't have anything. So we just cracked into the bourbon. I hope that's cool. And I was like, honestly, y'all, I'm glad you had a great time. That's that's amazing. That's Jeff, if I know Jeff, Jeff wants everyone to have a great time. So that's I <laughs> yes, that's an especially amazing host movie. Jeff, especially host Jeff, host like, Jeff, for sure. Yeah, that's that's definitely a move. All right. Let's get into some sports stuff here, um, because of all times for for the pod to take a little bit of a break, uh, we picked a pretty bad time. Uh, NBA free agency, which I did know going in, 
there weren't any super high ticket free agencies. Most of them were going to be like, is Zach Levine going to go back to Chicago? Is, is Bradley Beal going to sign the Supermax with Washington? What's James Harden going to do? And how's that contract thing's going to go out? And then a bunch of nice role players and some other guys that, you know, can kind of fill out rosters. There was no big ticket guy this, you know, this year. Uh, Bronton I, too. I don't forget that one. Well, he wasn't a free agent. He wasn't a free agent. Oh, that's right. So, that was a trade. I'm sorry. <laughs> however, what throws a wrench into this is, you know, on, on the first day of the year when free agency opens up, that's also when trades can finally go through anything that's been done before that, as well as, you know, more trade drama. So we had Malcolm Brogdon end up getting traded. We had Kevin Herter going to the Kings from Atlanta. We had DeJounte Murray going from San Antonio to Atlanta. And then Kevin Durant decides just to take a giant big old shit all over the place and say, hey, I want to get out of Brooklyn and I'm demanding a trade the morning after free agency starts and just completely throws everything into a tailspin. We already knew, by the way, hilarious move to do it the day after Kyrie signs. <laughs> you know, he resigns in his player that option. Was- laughable <laughs> which from the outside is really really funny but also i don't necessarily think Kyrie, because look was Kyrie not going to take 37 million dollars like this is where for Kyrie thinking yeah. he's such a martyr and such this like brilliant you know savant sees the world totally different the dude still had a price tag and he's like yeah i'm not going to give up 37 million dollars to go take the league minimum and join lebron right so like clearly yeah. the dude still has money on his mind just like all these guys do um but KD decides the morning after Kyrie opts in that he wants out of out of Brooklyn and Kyrie's still wanting to get out of Brooklyn. And now and then we were left in this like, well, when's it going to happen? And and we're now about what a week and a half or so removed from this initial trade request. And there's still kind of radio silence. The thing that also kind of throws a slight wrench into this was that there was also another massive trade in the NBA, not as much about the players, as much as the compensation that was used to get said player with Rudy Gobert going from the Utah jazz to the Minnesota Timberwolves. Now I like a lot about Rudy Gobert, but Rudy Gobert was not worth the price tag that he ultimately uh, went for. And I think most people are pretty much universal. Um, Five first round picks, including uh, one pick swap in 2026, uh, and only one protected first round pick. So the jazz, the jazz got a massive haul for Rudy, but then this also already, if you're saying like before the Rudy Gobert trade, all right, Kevin Durant asks for a trade. How, what's the price tag going to be? It would be somewhere around here in my, in my mind, right? Five players, including your, your first round draft pick and Walker Kessler, a player you like in Jared Vanderbilt, some other pieces to make the contracts work. And then a shitload of first round picks. And now KD is sitting there in this spot where the price tag for him and what Woj called would be an unprecedented level of assets needed to acquire him with the Nets also demanding multiple all-star level players in addition to picks. The question now is Which we've thing? had some time to, adjust, to, to kind of digest all this, and I'll, I will get you in there, Scotty, in a second, is, is there a place where this actually makes sense? And right now, the answer to that question seems to be no, only because the number of teams that can realistically do it, especially with some of the weird rookie contract extension shit, it really comes down to a few teams. So, Scotty, you just flashed up a three there. What, what, where does, as an NBA guy yourself, and obviously we texted about this when it happened, where's your mind at here when KD drops the it's, news and where are we standing? It's hilarious to me when he dropped it that it came the day after Kyrie came back. It is it just, it, It's just to me like he's – for whatever reason, can't be happy wherever he goes. 
uh, no matter how much success he has there, as he did with the Warriors. If he'd stayed with that Warriors team, we'd have had six titles in a row. Believe that. Uh, but it's amazing that you he can't be happy wherever he goes. Uh, there's a there's a reason for him to hit reset every time, uh, like it's a video game. And guess what, friends? We're not in a video game. This is real life we're talking about here. Business, dollars, and cents. So uh, let's get some sense here and figure out that uh, you're in a really good situation, my man. Um, so probably probably stick there would be your best bet. I think there's really legitimately like two or three teams that could that could end up pulling this off. Uh, the one that the big one that comes comes to mind and it was the first one that uh, that was dropped was Phoenix and that the sign and trade with DeAndre Ayton. Obviously, that's getting held up though um, because other teams are trying to pursue DeAndre Ayton. Um, and the, the Phoenix Suns are trying to figure out how they're going to be able to move him and probably other assets and picks that they don't really have uh, to uh, to Brooklyn for KD. Um, the other one that uh, has I've seen floated has been a trade back to the Warriors. Um, and it's it's for a number of, of assets. Um, obviously, they're going to want younger talent, but uh, the one I saw floated the other day was I believe it was Wiggins, Poole, and Draymond, and I believe two first-rounders for Kevin Durant and Seth Curry. And I was like, oh, it was Durant, uh, Curry, Seth Curry, and uh, and Joe Harris. And I was like, I would do that in two seconds. Um, But, you know, it, it takes a lot for these deals to get done, especially for as unprecedented as this deal would be. Uh, But, dude, like... I don't get what what's what's KD if KD's end goal is to win championships. I get the East is going to be rough. It's a it's it's a gauntlet in the East now at this point, uh, especially because Boston got better and they were in the finals this year. Uh, Philadelphia, I believe, is getting better uh, than they were. Milwaukee got better, uh, so I don't know. Maybe the impetus to get out of the East and and into a spot where you can either be on or compete against the Warriors. Um, in the West makes sense, but dude, like Brooklyn is easily a top four team with him and, and Kyrie together on it. So I don't know what, what the impetus is. So there's a couple of things I'd, I'd push back on there, Scotty, only that I, I get that Katie, the whole narrative around Katie changed when he went to golden state, right? You lose to yeah. you, you join the team that just beat you that you were just up three, one on in the Western conference finals. And then you go join that team after they lose and blow a three, one team. And also the whole weird contract thing that, you know, the, the salary cap had a mass, massive spike. The Warriors still had Steph Curry on that crazy cheap deal from the first extension they gave him when he had all the injury history around it. And it was a perfect aligning of the stars moment. And he just wanted to go and play good basketball. He wins a championship, right? He also spent damn near a decade, two championships. Thank you, Scotty. He also spent damn near a decade in Oklahoma City doing everything in his power to try to get them there with a front office who Sam Presti is an awesome GM, but also like the marriage with Russell Westbrook wasn't going to work. So I, I'm i not yet to the point where I'm like, he he's not James Harden to me, right? Who forced his way out of Houston and then was in Brooklyn for less than a year and then forces his way out of Brooklyn to go to Philadelphia, right? Which might've been where James wanted to go all along. Who, who knows? We'll never know the answer to that. But... I'm not quite at the point of being like the, oh, I don't know why this guy is so unhappy everywhere he goes. I think a lot of his unhappiness right now 
is kind of tough to explain unless you put yourself in the mindset of a dude who is one of the best in the world at what he does, is an all-time great player, is one of the top 15 players, best players in NBA history, and carries himself with a certain attitude that, like, what makes sense to you and I doesn't make sense to him. Like, it seems obvious, right? Stay there. Like, Sean Marks, basically, they handed over the keys to the entire franchise and basically let Kevin Durant and Kyrie do whatever the fuck they wanted. Now, that might be a lapse of judgment if you know anything about Kyrie Irving. I'm fascinated to know to what extent the relationship between Katie and Kyrie is fractured, if at all, because Katie's the one that advocated for Kyrie over and over and over again through this whole ordeal. Um, and I think like you, his best option is to go back because of Ben Simmons. Like I get that everyone hates and dumps on Ben Simmons here, but as the guy who defended him for a long time and had to spend many conversations trying to defend Ben Simmons to people, you're putting him in a situation where he doesn't need to shoot. He doesn't need ball in his hand. He's going to have Seth Curry and Joe Harris and Kyrie and Katie and all these guys around him who can go get buckets. He just needs to play really good defense and push the ball in transition and kick it out to those guys. He's the perfect player to have Which with he's them. He's very good at. Yeah. <laughs> so assuming you do get a big, a healthy Ben Simmons back, who's not mentally broken, which at this point, we don't know what we're getting. It would be a really good fit. But what you were saying, you know, there's this whole designated rookie extension thing where, Ben Simmons is on that contract, so they there's only some players they can take. Aiton is one of those guys, but the market on Aiton has inexplicably cooled really fast where there's not a bunch of teams looking after him, and I don't think Brooklyn wants him back. So the Phoenix thing is going to be hard to do because it looks like there's a sign-and-trade deal with Indiana, according the to Pacers, Woj, yeah. that came out today that might they might be close to a deal. So the whole thing is crazy. Vito, I want to get to your perspective because while you're over in, in Greece and, and Rome and doing all this fucking crazy shit over in Europe, you're just getting like woge bombs here and there. And you're like, Oh shit, this is crazy. All right. Back to, you know, looking at the Mediterranean. So, for, but you're also, and this is why I love kind of your role here. When we talk NBA on the pod is like, you are our like bird's eye view fan, right? Where you, mm -hmm. you go in when there's big news, when there's a big trade during the playoffs, you lock in. But then other than that, you're like, I'm, you know, I gotta, I got ready. Gotta get ready for football season. All right. We got football yeah. stuff coming around the corner. So for you, <laughs> What 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 was your reaction? What do you make of the Kevin Durant ordeal as we sit here now, two and a half or about two weeks almost without any trade in sight? Dude, so that that was what was crazy. Is first hearing about it, and then realizing that um, he wants out. It was right at the start of everything, so it was kind of like, hey, you know, if you announced this a day or two before, maybe teams would have had some things prepared. But I thought it was going to happen quick because it's Kevin Durant. Like people are going to right GMs who are on the hot seat or owners who want to win now are just going to do give up the house for him. And Scotty, to your point earlier, I think the problem now is that Kevin Durant is such an incredible player and still at a point where he can contribute so much where like, but he's not going to be around for 10 years. And, and so going, he's going yeah, into exactly. year six. This is going into year 16. This yeah, will be his so 16th season. We're going to see a decline here soon. And the point is that we're, he's still in the wake of his trail is so wide. And what I mean by that is anywhere he goes, you're devastated for seven or eight years with players mm. and picks and everything. And so it's really strange, like everywhere he moves. And so now he's like trying to do it again. And I think what's as a casual fan, what's frustrating is like, man, you have Kyrie, what else do you really want? And I get if maybe, maybe behind the scenes, him and Kyrie did not, you know, they're not as much boys as we think, 
Um, or maybe he doesn't like the style that like, I, there's a lot of reasons. Right. And I don't know any of that. And I'm not going to speculate on those things because I don't know basketball as well as you two do. What I do know is people and this dude, clearly something has happened where he wants to get out of there. And it must have happened soon after free agency. What I'm wondering is, did he say we need to go get this person or we need to make this trade? And then nothing happened. He's like, you know what? And screw you guys. I'm out because it's a weird timing. Right. Yeah. And I don't know what happened, but what I, I, I think that that was my initial reaction is this is weird. Something must have happened with him in the front office or Kyrie directly. Maybe they disagreed on a free agent decision or something, you know, and outside of all of that, that's, that's my speculation. It's about, it's about some relationship with the front office or with a teammate, whatever it is. And he figures that he would have a better opportunity being in a better environment because basketball, I think you guys are right. You know, but like, that's a great environment to go in. Yeah. So if it's a great environment to win, there's gotta be something else going on where he would just rather be somewhere else. But I don't know. I mean, in terms of teams, he's going to go to, like I said, I, I just, I don't think there's anywhere that he's going to go. I mean, he's going to go and be dominant. It's going to be amazing, but he's going to leave this wake of like in five years or four years, you know, as he's deteriorating as an athlete, which for how tall and like he's an incredible athlete, but everyone slows down. Yeah. The wake is going to be so hard for the team to come back from, but, uh, but what do you guys think? I mean, is this trade, I think because of the other one that already went down, you're going to have such a high demand, but is this trade something that would really like uh, keep its value? What I mean by that is, you know, would the same offer be given to Durant two years ago as it is today? Like, is he still in that prime trade? So a lot of that has to do with just the way that the NBA is set up right now. Like you were talking about like the wake that gets left, right? If you're the team that trades all the assets to get somebody, you're going all in on that. And like Rudy Gobert just was involved in a trade for this, right? Like I literally have in front, like the, the Timberwolves sent five players and five first round picks to get Rudy Gobert. And like Rudy Gobert is probably going to end up being a Hall of Famer one day, you know, because everybody gets into the NBA Hall of Fame or the, the yeah. Basketball Hall of Fame. Plus, he's international, and that always kind of helps too. But that's just kind of the nature of how NBA trades work when you're going all in for a superstar. You know, that's why like the last time we didn't there was a major trade where that wasn't the case was the Kawhi trade when he left San Antonio, where it was like the, I think the, the Spurs got. Um, like Jakob Pertle and like two first round picks and some other player. And then in return, Toronto got Danny Green and Kawhi Leonard, and then they were able to make a run. Now, they also knew that Kawhi probably wasn't signing long term in Toronto, but they still got a championship out of it, right? For, yeah. you know, for better or for worse. So ultimately, that trade pays off. But look at every other major trade involving a superstar. This is just what it is. And, and it kind of was born with the Anthony Davis trade when he gets taken out of you know, New Orleans and the Lakers send out five first round picks, which is why, you know, I, I argue with my roommate all the time. He's like, yo, like Kyrie's going to end up on the Lakers. And I'm like, how? He's like, oh, they're going to trade Russell Westbrook. I'm like, no one's take. You need to trade no. additional assets. <laughs> and he's like, well, they can put on their 2029 first round pick or 2027 is the next first round pick that the Lakers have because they did that. And now they're staring down the last year with LeBron. And Anthony Davis, who's coming off of multiple injuries and who looked terrible last year, who I still think could be one of the top 10 players in the NBA, but he just had a really bad year that you're kind of like, shit, well, the Lakers, the second LeBron's out, they're kind of fucked. And I think at some point, if you look at it from like a 10 year perspective, there will be some sort of market correction. But as it stands right now, 
that's kind of the way that it works. And if you're a team like the two teams that I, I marked down that I think would be both have the resources and a young player. Cause that's part of what the nets want to do too. Like the nets and Sean Marks, they're like, we're not going into rebuild mode. You know, we just gave up a shitload of, you know, a similar haul to go get James Harden. And we recoup some assets from and, you know, and Philly. money to sign Kyrie. <laughs> yeah. So it's like we now, you know, Kyrie's got one more year left on this deal. So they were going to have to spend that money this year anyway, but essentially they're not in a position where they can afford to do a rebuild and the front office who's been there for now, this is their third season, their jobs are on the line. So they want quality players back in addition to future first round picks to be able to replete, you know, cause dude, they lost like five first round picks or four first round picks, sorry. in the James Harden trade with Houston. So they're already down, right? They're already the team that just went all in and then kind of got screwed over. Um, so that's what is a main reason why I think ultimately they just sit down in a room with uh, not Rich Paul, uh, Rich Kleiman, who's the uh, agent for Kevin Durant and KD. And they'll sit down with Sean Marks and Joseph Sai, who is the, the owner of the, of the Nets. And they're just going to figure something out. And they're just all going to end up coming back because I, I agree with you, Scotty. I think on on paper, at least, assuming you get, you know, 85% of what Ben Simmons was in Philly, you know, and you take the ball out of his hands and just tell him to play really good defense and, and rim run a little bit, they'll still be a really, really good team. Um, but, like, I would love to see, you know, and in terms of the most fun fit, it's New Orleans. New Orleans trading mm. Brandon Ingram, you know, the first-round Dyson Daniels, their first-round pick this year, and, you know, four first-round picks to, you know, New Orleans. And then you're putting Zion, who they just signed to the extension, um, you know, KD, CJ McCollum, and that team, that team would be amazing. The other one that's interesting is Toronto, you know, and Toronto, you would send Scotty Barnes who just won rookie of the year and projects to be an absolute stud um, and probably OG and an OB. And then, but then again, KD gets there and is the, the hardest thing is we're in this world now where the superstar can just say they're unhappy and then ultimately get their way. So, this K and, and this is the one thing, and so many people for a week and a half now have been talking about this KD request, and I keep hearing about Toronto. Do people forget that Toronto was this fan base that clapped when he tore his Achilles in the uh, NBA Finals? KD's never going to play for Toronto. There's not a chance in the world he's going to play yeah. for Toronto. That was the most fucked up thing I've ever seen a yeah. sports fan base do, like in this, especially in this, at least in this modern era. You know, you, you just don't do that, you know, and Katie, like, I, I don't see a world where he does that. I don't see a world where he would love to just stay in new Orleans. You know, there's a fun case where, Oh, he goes back to Oklahoma city, but people keep talking about tarnishing his legacy, this, that, or whatever. I don't know, man, but the way that players move in the NBA, is there even such a thing as tarnishing your legacy anymore? Or is this just where we're going to head now for the next, you know, 10, 15 years? I think some of the old guard, including Stephen A, for example, it, it would be like that, you know, uh, the old mad dog principle too, like play for your team, win for your team. It's the thing that, that uh, Damian Lillard is doing in, in Portland. Um, and there is honor in that, I think, but the, the more that we get into this age of, of player empowerment and player freedom uh, of movement and, and all of that in, in, this, our generation and younger, I feel like it won't be, you know, I, I won't be criticized as much as it is uh, in, in current media. 
Well, and so, and, and to this point, and this is kind of what I talk about here. Um, I believe it was, we just had on the eighth, the 12 year anniversary of the decision, right? LeBron leaving Cleveland to go to Miami. Now that we've had over a decade to digest that and, and people keep in mind, we're furious when this happened, right? LeBron got torched for it. He became the villain of the NBA, which he always he hated. Burned his jerseys. Yeah. Yeah. Like, right. Like, and, and objectively, like, everyone I mean, people did it. that with KD when he left OKC too. Yeah. Yeah. But to a but, whole different level. I think. But do any like of that. us look back on the decision and say LeBron made a bad decision? Do any of us look back and judge? Do we, do we count that against no. LeBron's legacy? So that's my point, which is this, that, if, if KD goes to New Orleans or if KD goes to the Suns and wins a championship with Chris Paul and Devin Booker and all those guys, right, he may never have that, like, home base that, like, Steph or Giannis or the Larry Birds did, you know. And LeBron, if he had never won a title in Cleveland, wouldn't have had that either. Like, I, I, I mean, it would have been his home still, but I think if, if he had never won a championship in Cleveland, I don't think it's the same as the fact that he what he did in 2016. So – even if he doesn't, and it's a very small select group of players who ever do that, I don't think it affects his legacy all that much. I still think we sit there on the other side and go, Kevin Durant's still one of the top 15 players of all time, even if he ends up winning another championship in another city with other good players. Because I just think more and more, as we get removed from it, we're always such prisoner in the moments, the prisoners of the moment, that like I just don't think it's going to be that much of a, of a, of a thought. I just think we're going to be like, yeah, he went to this team, and then he went there, and he won – like even the OKC thing seems a little dumb and like dated now. It's like, yeah, of course that's what he did, you know. And he got shit for it at the time, and people will say that. But ultimately, best Fourth of July of my life. <laughs> yeah, that's right. That was the Fourth of July, man. That was a <laughs> that shit was crazy. Um, all right, let's move on from the KD stuff. Um, we can touch a little bit on the Rudy Gobert thing. I mean, ultimately, like it's so it's so much to give. The one thing, and I've, I listened, actually listened to a Minnesota Timberwolves like podcast because I was genuinely curious as to what the reaction to this would be because I just didn't see it. I mean, the contract is horrendous for Rudy. Um, some of the numbers show that he's been declining despite all still being one of the two or three best defensive players in the NBA. Um, but I was genuinely very curious as to what the fan base thought. And I think this is one of those moments, and I look at to like what the Chicago Bulls did last year where they were just like, fuck it, we just want to be better. Like we're tired of being a team that's just playing jump rope with the lottery and then the eight seed and the lottery and the eight seed. And we're just going to make a move to, to be better because since the process started, it's either like, Oh, nope, we're, we're, we're throwing all of our games. We're tanking the whole way. And I commend front offices. that are like, you know what? We just want to be good. We just want to get our young guys and opportunities to go play in playoff games. And I'm starting to kind of like the fit, not as a title contender, but as a fun, interesting team that's kind of embracing their style in another way. Because with this, you know, Cat is obviously going to get moved to the four in starting lineups. You'll be able to play small ball lineups with Cat at the five, in which Rudy just won't be there, in which case you're paying $40 million for a player that's not on the court in some of the biggest moments of games. But, you know, at the same time, like you're getting one of the best defensive players in the NBA. You're going to get an, a new lob threat to have. with. I think this is going to help D'Angelo Russell out a lot. Like D'Lo's never had like a rim runner guy, like not since Jared Allen when he was on Brooklyn. And that combo was actually nice. So there are some positives to make from it. I think some of the spacing stuff might get a little bit weird. 
but I don't like it for them winning now. I like it for what they're doing for Anthony Edwards, you know, for down the line when they, when he's potentially the next guy to leave a small market and they can say, we put every asset in, we traded, we mortgaged the future because we wanted to get you opportunities when you were 20 years old and already becoming, you know, a budding superstar in the NBA. So Scotty, what was you? I mean, obviously again, the price tag's way too high. And for that reason, you know, shark tank style, I'm out, but I am, <laughs> I am just curious, like, from a fit, have you come around to it at all? Or are you still just all the way up? No, I'm, I'm still out. I mean, I, I, it's pretty one dimensional for me in terms of Rudy Gobert's game. Um, he's going to, he's going to work hard for you on the glass and, and be really good on defense. Uh, apart from that, uh, you know, I think it kind of takes away a little bit almost from on offense from Anthony Edwards uh, getting the ball in his hand and, and Carl Anthony Town shooting the ball. Uh, which is what I think they wanted to do by getting a five so that cat didn't have to play the five. Um, so uh, I'm not, I'm not huge on it. Um, we'll see. I mean, I don't think they're, they're any, they might be a, a notch above better than, than they were last year um, in terms of, of seeding for the playoffs. I don't think they're, they're out of the playoffs by any means uh, with this, but I think they, I think they got slightly better. It might turn out to be though, something like we saw with Dallas, uh, last year where everything just starts to mesh uh, for some weird reason. Uh, and, and all those guys start playing together and Hey, look, all of a sudden now they're the, the four five seed instead of the six, seven, eight seed. Yeah. Um, well, that reason was also, they traded Chris Dobbs. <laughs> well, yeah. Right. Yeah. But all, but at the same time, like you make a valid point, like, is this, cause I think on, I, I think they're going to win a lot of games like regular season. Like I think they're, especially in the West, you know, Dallas, I don't know if Dallas got better. I mean, they made the trade for Christian Wood, which I really liked, but yeah. they lose Jalen Brunson. Um, I meant Dallas who, last year, but yeah. yeah you know, who? Yeah. You know, I got you. Um, I just mean like in terms of looking at the West moving forward for a Minnesota stance, right? Like where I, does Minnesota – where does this put Minnesota in the Western Conference, right? Because they're I'm, not going to be better than Golden State. I don't think they're going to be better than Phoenix. I don't think they're going to be better than Memphis. I can't say for certain that they're not going to be better than any other team in the West. True. I would bet on Dallas and Luka to be better. But at the same time, I don't know, because there are really good players on that team now. I'm really interested to see, and obviously we'll see it uh, in the fall when when uh, uh, Bill Barnwell does his, uh, the, the whole NBA uh, thing with the with – the, with the, uh, pardon my take, guys, sorry. Um, but, yeah, like the over-under on, on their win total next year, I'd – I'd be hard pressed to say it's it's lower than forty eight, um, and if it is, I'm hammering the over because they they're gonna win some games next year. Yeah, I think they'll be good, Vito. You'll like this part too. The only the the biggest downside, the biggest disappointing part about this is that it eliminates the possibility of Anthony Edwards dunking on Rudy Gobert, which was some which is something that they came out and he came out and said like you know when they played each other in the regular season like how he said he like wanted to put like one of his crazy highlight reel dunks on Rudy Gobert and now we don't we get better to see get that. some practice film we That's better what get I'm saying, some goddamn man. <laughs> the only other player that Minnesota needs to add is uh is Wancho Hernan Gomez the guy from who who is the player in Hustle have you guys seen Hustle yet yeah 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 so that guy like, the guy who plays Bo Cruz is a real NBA player his name's Wancho is he Hernan, really his name's Wancho Hernan Gomez yeah. And Anthony Edwards plays the, I forget, it's a, it's a Kermit something, plays the, yeah. the other, like, at the asshole, the villain, right? Yeah. We just got to team those two up. We got we to get have them up to. here. Yeah. That would be a fire. That would be a fire. So, I mean, just Adam Sandler on the court side. 
What a great movie. You know, it's funny. I remember tweets going out when they filmed the shot at the end of that, when he's in Philadelphia. And like, I remember them filming that game. Like, Dude, what's funny, Chris, I know they, they yeah. say they go to New York in that, and then they go to the four seasons of the top of Comcast. They never went to New York to film, which like is an hour away train ride. They just were like, fuck it. We'll film it in Philly still and say we're in New York. So and that's exactly what they did. Oh yeah. hundred percent. Well, so yeah. did you know the, 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 um, the cathedral, the, the church um, that my sister and Kenny got married at is you can see it in, in the training scenes. They go to Roxborough when they're running up oh, the hill. So you can see St. John's cathedral uh, in the background and on that hill. Which fun fact is the hill. My mom learned how to drive stick shift on that hill, that crazy hill that he's making the NBA player do wind sprints up. Yeah. Imagine learning stick shift on that, man. Jesus. Uh, All right. Uh, any other free agents, uh, Scotty, that you noticed or anything else from the NBA we didn't hit that you wanted to touch on? No, I, I, the only other thing I'd hit is the, is the James Harden deal taking a, what was it a $15 million pay cut to, uh, yeah. to stay with, with Philadelphia, which is huge. I mean, that's, that's a very team friendly deal. It's, it's him realizing, Hey, this is a, a legitimate shot at a championship uh, with the, with the team that they're building around him. Uh, now they can pay guys like Maxi, they can pay uh, Tobias uh, and keep him beat around too. So uh, it's, it's a huge deal. I think very, uh, very good for both sides. Uh, and I, I, you know, what, what they can continue to build around, around that core of, of Harden and Embiid is going to be, uh, I think you're going to like what, uh, what you'll hear. I, um, I, I will give Harden a lot of credit, but also leave it with a little bit of a little, just a little bit of a, just a, yeah. a, a, an ellipsis at the would. end of this. Um, <laughs> he was guaranteed 47 and a half million. He has a player option on the second year. The structure of the contract, the two years, second year player option. Um, actually, it might be a team option. Um, I, I love that for Philadelphia. Um, I love the short term nature of it. It's also more guaranteed money over two years than he currently was going to be offered. So if he were to suck ass, then he's still getting 60 million compared to the 47 and a half million that he would have been getting this year anyway. He does deserve a lot of credit for taking the haircut for, you know, dude who's already made, you know, $250 million in his career. Good for him. Uh, you know, he's, he's making you know 12 million less, but is still making 30 million. It did free them up to do stuff. I don't love the, the PJ Tucker signing at all. Um, well, that's Daryl Morey getting his you're, you're, That's all I mean, that is. you're, you're spending, <laughs> you, you, you just signed a 37 year old to a three year deal worth $33 it's, million. It's the Houston 76ers. That's all it is. It's it, well, what it is, is that, you know, Joel Embiid basically said as much after the Miami series, go get PJ Tuck, like basically word for word in the press conference after the series, series ended, he said, we needed to be tougher. We need guys <laughs> like PJ Tuck. So that was part of it. The contract for P.J. Tucker is outrageous. $33 million to a dude who's 37 years old for three years. He's going to be paid $11.5 million in the third year of that contract is absolutely asinine. Um, however, I, I've come around a lot on the D'Anthony Melton signing, and I still think there's another move in the Sixer system. Um, talk about a dude who I would love, I mean, not just as a Sixers fan, but as a basketball fan, Kevin Durant. And Joel Embiid on the same team would be so much fun to watch. 150 per game. 
It would be <laughs> so much fun. It would be watch. insane. Um, and, and that's why I was like, you know, I don't, I wouldn't love it if they had KD, Harden, and Embiid because they, they would have just have no bench. But all three of them together would still be pretty fucking amazing. So we'll <laughs> see. I'm excited. Um, yeah, I, I mean, all the other signings, look, people have talked them to death at this point. Like I said, we were a little bit late to it. So we're not going to, how about Lou, Lou Dort getting $90 million? Lou Dort, uh, baby. One of, one of the funniest names in the NBA. Bubble, bubble King Lou Dort. What a legend. Um, <laughs> yeah, and as, as you stand right now, uh, the only players who aren't signed, DeAndre Ayton still hasn't signed. Uh, Miles Bridges, who will not be signed because he uh, got arrested the night before free agency started. So screw the pooch yeah. on that one there, dude. Um, and Colin Sexton, which is an interesting one because I like Colin Sexton. Yeah, me too. Especially um, that team, which is young. Yeah, and and I really, you know, I really kind of like it. Like, I don't, I don't know. Like, now he's a restricted free agent, so offer sheet stuff, you know, all that still has to get taken care of. But that's a pretty big commitment for a Cleveland team that was making some noise. So, I'd be curious to see how that goes out. Um, there was, oh, the last one I do want to mention, John Wall. The John Wall trade, <laughs> taking the buyout, going to the Clippers. I love this trade. I think he's an awesome player to take a gamble on. His body's finally healthy. We saw this dude perform at a really, really high level. And I think a perfect example of this is what we just, what we've just seen from uh, Victor Oladipo, you know, Oladipo. Yeah. You know, everyone counted him out and now he had the injuries and stuff too. But when he went to Miami, he took on a smaller role, was a bench guy. Um, you know, this is going to be the Kawhi and PGs. Oh, the, that, that's the other team that I have higher than Minnesota is the Clippers. Um, but you're still going to be Kawhi and PG. And then, you know, you're going to have, you know, John Wall there kind of being the third man. I, I like the gamble. I, I really do. And how about the Clippers, by the way? The highest salary cap in NBA history by about $11 million. I believe their salary cap for this year Typical is going to be like LA. it's going to be like 194 million dollars is what their salary is going to cost. Which all they do is spend money in LA. I mean, win a championship, get out of here. 73 million dollars above the cap. That cap, Jesus, that, that luxury cap, it's ridiculous. But Steve, <laughs> I love Vito. Just like wait, wait, it's like the Dodgers in baseball. It's like, oh yeah, hundred million dollars over the cap. Yeah, whatever. We make Damn it all. back in sales, baby. Yeah, that's, yeah, that's yeah. a while. Hey, what a Steve joke, Ballmer, LA. Baby. I mean, don't get me on this town, okay? All they do is spend money, and it's all fake, and, and just like that stupid city. And you got and- your championship. <laughs> Shut up. Uh, that's you are spitting facts. I mean, the best thing that LA does is movies, which are fake. That's what they do. <laughs> hey man, Tinseltown, baby. Tinseltown. Gotta love it. All right. Uh, quick break. We're gonna come back. We're gonna tackle the college football realignment stuff that's been going on. Uh, because oh, that was the other yeah, major Fox news that hit has big 10 people. Um, and I know, <laughs> I know for a fact this is Vito had to, you know, he was playing, he was the role player off the bench. He was our Furkan Korkmas there, you know, came in, hit a couple threes, and now now we're gonna get a whole dose of Vito here coming back on the other side. I have lots of thoughts. I've been reaching out to my college football contacts and trying to get an idea of what the hell's going on. It's going to be crazy. The next few years in college football is only going to get weirder if you didn't think it was weird already. So all that on the other side, plus some NFL news and a top five list regarding NFL stadium names. So the college football world never sleeps, which is something I learned firsthand for uh, several years. Um, 
in particular, the last few years has really seemed to kick up a notch between NIL and then the transfer portal and then Texas and Oklahoma saying they're going to announce last. And we went over all this last year. And then the first sign of what I had always kind of anticipated would inevitably come, which is the shaping of two super conferences took place uh, just about, what, seven or eight days ago when UCLA and USC joined the Big Ten. And I know to many people who maybe aren't the biggest college football fans in the world, you'd say, well, that makes no sense because they're in California and the Big Ten is in the middle of the country in the Midwest. And to that, and actually on the East Coast too, between Maryland and Rutgers. And uh, and to that, the Big Ten says, fuck you. We don't give a shit. We're going to do this anyway. So uh, as we have two resident Big Ten fans here on the pod. Vito, I'll give you the floor first. What was your reaction? And how do you feel now as we are kind of heading towards what seems to be an entirely new dynamic in college football? Man, it was weird. Uh, I grew up in Southern California. So I can tell you right now that these two fan bases and this whole environment does not fit with the Big Ten. Um, it's going to be a culture shock, but it, it leads to something more. And I think everyone knows that it's okay. You're going to have a Western division and Eastern division and maybe a central or something. These mega conferences are coming. Who do you want? And you need a good rivalry. You need a, a, those staple programs, like what they do with Texas and Oklahoma, right? With the sec big 10, you do something. Now I thought Notre Dame would be the first one they'd go after, but listen, it's hard when Notre Dame makes that much money independently. That's, it's going to be difficult, but I really do think that picking up UCLA and USC is a good combo. I think it also fits the educational side of the big 10. They, they kind of pride themselves. They're more research institutions. If you look at it, they're very research heavy in what they do. Um, well, isn't there like a, a, like a certain qualifier for universities? They have to, every you know school, every school in the big 10 is, I forget. It's a certain, it's not like a different level of accreditation, but it's, you're on a list of like X amount, like only ever, only so many universities in the countries are on that list. And that has before been a pre-qualifier for teams to be in the big 10, despite it not being a literal like written rule, but it is something that they've considered. I will say based off of the direction this is going, the educational component doesn't really much. Not right now, anyways. Now, I will agree with you. USC and UCLA do fit the bill much yeah. more so than other schools, which is, I think, what part makes this transition a little bit easier. But just to say that now, I don't think it makes a ton of sense. No, I, well, I, I still think, I guess, you got to look at these two and you look at the rest of the conference. So, you know, all right, Pac-12 is blown up, right? Mm. And what fits. So now it's like, all right, now it's a race to get Oregon, Stanford, Stanford especially is one of those schools you talk about that academically, and then they win. Stanford's a school. Well, Stanford's a school that wins like ten national titles a year in eight sports you don't really follow, right? Like that, like or nine. And 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 they're always golf and everything. They're great at a lot of things. So they're a great school that fits in. They win the President's Cup all the time, Um, and and like I I think that's a great school to have. But my initial reaction was that all right, we're in the arms race, and now the Big Ten says we're going to have a West Coast division. Now, I thought at this point, why not just merge and be like Pac-12 and Big Ten are the same, which I thought was kind of where it was going. And it may still mostly go that way, but this is totally coming to a East Coast and West Coast, and we're going to have divisions. And it's going to be basically like, well, we have conferences again, basically. And 
now the West Conference and the East Conference champions play, and then that champion probably just plays the champion of the other Super Conference, and we're back in the early days of the AFL and NFL leagues in America. That's exactly where we're going to go in five years, and I'm okay with it. I don't hate it, but we're reshuffling, and we're going to end up with a very similar result in 10 years, I think, than what what we had with a bunch of different conferences that played. Now, it'll be a little easier because you will have, you know, a champion playing a champion and all that. But I do think you're going to have a one loss team. That's like, man, I, I liked it better. when We had all these different conferences and a one loss team that was amazing could still go to the championship or whatever. Like that's the conversation that we're going to cycle back to. We should do a playoff or like, we'll still have that. And it's going to get really complicated, but I do think that like what this is setting up for two leagues that are going to play. And I think that's where a lot of people think it's going. And I don't know what that's going to do to the landscape of travel in college football. It's becoming more of a business. You, I mean, I do love the idea of USC coming and playing in Happy Valley in like November, right? Like that would be so amazing. Um, but, and I love the idea of Penn State students getting to travel to USC in November. Sure. Like, trust me, that's going to be amazing for a lot of people. Um, but I, I just don't think that this is something I expected to have happen where presumably unless and things will change. Right. But I, when are they going to join like 2026 or something? 2025, 2024. Wow. That's quick. They, uh, so I, unless something changes, I just couldn't imagine both those teams having to go to the East coast, these kids and play six games out there. Mm-hmm. Right. Like they're going to have to be on planes going across the country. I do that all the time. Trust me. But like, Like I'm going to Portland this weekend. It's a lot harder than just a direct flight to Cleveland from Philly. Like it's a lot more of your time and there's students still, I don't know what the fuck is going to happen with that. I'm nervous for the kids out there and what it means to be in the PAC 12 and all that stuff. And now in two years, three years, they're going to move, but I don't know. I, I, do you think Jeff that like, we had the Texas Oklahoma thing happen. We had this, Mm -hmm. do you think we're like, the next year and the next year it's more dominoes will fall. You think it's kind of like, it's going to hold up for a bit and then it all crumbles like later or what? I, that's, what's been the weirdest part to me. Right. Yeah. I I don't think it's even going to take till next year. Really? I, this yeah, is, I'm this is become an arms race between the sec and the big 10. It is essentially what it just boils down to. This is going yeah. to be a, 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 a two conference, two super conferences. And then, the scraps of everyone else. And there's going to be some schools and programs who get absolutely fucked by this. There's going to be programs who lock in and have, you know, like think about like Missouri, like Mizzou makes that deal, Mm -hmm. you know, 10 years ago and the amount of money and everything else they're going to make off of that. The most important thing to remember here. And I do want to get Scotty's input here as well, because I think Scotty's you're, you seem to at least be coming from a more traditionalist standpoint, which to me is what does make, college football so special and we are going to be losing some of that and that is a bummer um but ultimately this is about tv contracts this is about money there's there's nothing else involved before ucla and usc joined the big 10 each big 10 school was project at least the new tv contract they'll sign next summer was going to be in the neighborhood of about 110 million dollars per team that number it it was pushing a billion total value right that number is going to jump up probably to not astronomically, but like as a totality is still probably going to be like $120 million per, per school um, that, that's going to rake in off this. So, so ultimately what this becomes and, and the SEC 
just signed their big contract with ESPN and they're switching over this year, which is a whole nother thing as well. It's turning into an arms race. And there's also clauses and rules and everything in there. They're, they're going to be able to renegotiate, you know, TV contracts. If more teams get added, uh, that was a big reason why Oklahoma and Texas pushed last year to get that in writing to basically say, Hey, we want to get this done. Cause we want to get that in as soon as possible, which even they're still, more than likely, I think they have another year, at least one more year left. I think 2023 is when they're expected to join. So, you know, we'll see. I, I think more and more teams are going to go. I think the Big 12 is probably, weirdly enough, after everything that happened last year, in the best spot. Um, the ACC is, is locked right now because they signed, when they signed the ACC Network deal, it was a 20-year contract. And, and for nothing. Compared to what these deals are. And there's really no like ending in sight there. So I think eventually they'll be able to figure out some sort of way because Clemson is a property, Miami, Florida state, those are properties you want to have. The other weird thing here, and I'll get off the boring shit um, in in terms of, you know, TV contract stuff. The big reason why the big 10 pushed for Maryland and Rutgers is because Mm -hmm. when they made that push, it was at the birth of the Big Ten Network, right? Every time you add a school who gets put in the in a different, a new state, essentially, the cable bill goes up about a dollar per household. So when you add Maryland, when you add New Jersey, when you add, say, a North Carolina or a Virginia, schools that currently, it's, states that don't have schools yeah. in and the Jersey. Big Ten or the SEC, it's You're why they were incentivized not to add Notre Dame too, right? Like, well, part of that too from is the fact that now, Notre, Notre Dame is already making money. There's two Indiana schools. There are a whole, well, yeah. What we need to do is we need to just take Notre Dame and we'll get to it in a little bit because they are a really important part in this. And we're just going to put them on the shelf and we'll get back to them in a little bit. Because we'll put it right, right up there on the shelf. Right yeah. there. But no, um, to your point, Jeff, Rutgers deal also got them in New York City, which was a huge, but like that was a very strategic thing. And so to your point, wise, California, yeah. incredible. Well, and you're getting now you're going to get the Big Ten Network in the state of California, which is going to increase the value of the TV contract when they renegotiate the next one considerably. Now, Rutgers being in New Jersey, they're getting that's not affecting like that one dollar per household that like it goes up a dollar, whatever. Same thing happened with Maryland. I was literally just talking to somebody about this the other day. But that's essentially a lot of this posturing. And a lot of it's going to come down to like, weirdly enough, like getting new territories like we're playing risk. You know, remember the old board game risk? Like right now, the SEC and the Big Ten are kind of trying to find, you know, we're going to take over this because that's what makes UVA. Because I think UVA is a prime candidate to go to the Big Ten. I think North Carolina is a prime candidate to go to the the Big Ten. For sure. Tech, UVA, or, you know, North Carolina, maybe Duke. I would expect at least three of those four schools to end up in a new conference and all this if – they can get out of the ACC network contract, which right now doesn't seem very possible. So I think we're not going to see a, a huge jump. The next two dominoes to fall in terms of conferences, in my opinion, or um, are schools that could change conferences would be Oregon and Washington. Oregon, right. obviously the brand, we know how big it is. Washington, there's a natural rivalry. It's obviously a very good school as well. The football program, you could put Utah in the mix there as well. Um, Utah, I think, would be a great spot, especially if, if like the Big 12 wanted to be really aggressive, you know, but we also have this kind of weird like semi conferences because like there's going to be some schools from the Pac-12. They're going to try to join the Big 12 
And then you're going to have some schools from the Pac-12 that are currently in the Pac-12. They're going to end up joining the Big Ten or the SEC, which I don't think the SEC will go out that far. But even still, I could see the Big Ten going like, hey, we want Oregon and Washington as well. And then you're going to have a little bit of a regional thing there. Um, yeah. And, and the flying back and forth thing, like, you're, you're definitely right. Like, that's, that's all weird. Like, th- there's two different conversations you can have about this. You can have the micro level about, like, what is the Big Ten going to look like in 2022? Which is, I can give you the answer right now. It's going to be weird as fuck. But at the same time, with NIL, everything else, and you use this phrase, which is something that stuck in my mind earlier, calling them students. These guys are still students. That is going to probably change within the next five years where football is going to become operated as its own entity. They'll be paid as employees and then therefore it will be operated. Not So that's why it's like, yeah, you get, you know, you're getting some Pac-12 schools, UCLA, USC, they do great on those other sports. That might help the, some of the Big Ten a little bit, but the football side of it, I think, is eventually going to be operated from a separate entity. Nailed it. Uh, I mean, that's, and that's gonna that be was one more. of my points because, yeah. like, this well, this only it, affects Scotty. this only affects football, right? Like on the biggest scale, it, it, it's made for football. It doesn't take into account any other sports. You think in baseball or softball, uh, the the UCLA kids are are excited about going to a, a three game series uh, on a weekend in Piscataway when they have a test coming up? Bullshit! That's not going to happen. Like, and nobody. Nobody takes that into account. This is all football money, and that's the biggest problem. Uh, one of the biggest well, problems. The money, the, other- so the, money, the money thing, though, real quick, Scotty. The money will still help the student athletes in other sports. But it's not just their mental to- health. That's what I'm on For about. sure, for sure, which is a totally different conversation. But just for the money aspect of it, 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 it mm. does help affect the entire university, even if football does ultimately get, you know, kind of pushed to, as its own things. Didn't mean to interrupt, but continue. No, you're good. The other, the other big aspect, and you guys were uh, touched on it earlier, is the media money. Like this is just a huge media money grab, and I get it, right? Uh, for, to me, if you're if you're the Pac-12 commissioner, and I'm blanking on his name, but he's been there for a year and done an absolutely horrific George job. George Cleo. George Cle- Yeah, thank you. Horrific job it, o- over the past year. Uh, look, the Pac-12 geographically is one of the, uh, take out. Colorado and Utah, who who were just recently added, is one of the more geographically isolated conferences in the country, right? And so you're telling me that the the media money in LA, where two of the uh, more prevalent uh, prestigious championship schools uh, are located in the Pac-12, can't help fund a a, a media deal to uh, to rival the Big Ten and the and the SEC, the tech money in the Bay Area, where there are another two. Uh, prestigious schools in in Cal and, and Stanford that uh, that money can't help fund a uh, a, a a media uh, outlet to uh, for the Pac-12 to to rival the the Big Ten and the SEC. Phil Knight's Nike money up in Oregon can't help rival that. It's not it's about both- the money that's there, Scotty. It's not, that, that's the problem, right? The, the yeah. biggest problem with the West Coast is that people in the West Coast don't care about college football. Right. You can have all the money in the world. You can have all the Phil Knight money. You know what? All of these TV contracts are based on ratings. Ratings are a hard data that you cannot argue. And even though there is way more money and there's way more going on and the markets are way bigger out there, 
there are more people watching in the Southeast and the Midwest and the East coast part of this country than there are out on the West coast. And, sure. no and the time of, difference too. Like no nobody's staying of, up until 10 o'clock to watch. Well, that's a, the thing. No one on the East coast is watching West coast. Everyone the on the West, West coast, coast is watching yeah. East coast. The West coast that's time bias is. is absolutely true. Yeah. But at 12 at dark, but that also After, gives yeah. you an idea of, the support regionally because even though the east coast people may not be staying up for pac 12 after dark which all three of us we all love pac 12 after dark so we're and big college football fans will watch that across the country so when you make all your money back you lost all day yeah that's right (laughs) exactly exactly and then if and then it's even worse you wait for the hawaii game that goes on at at one o'clock eastern time right thank god for hawaii but hawaii is going to the acc by the way i hope that that's what happens in all of this six thousand miles for a game good luck (laughs) <laughs> the regional numbers matter in terms of this. And, and part of that too is like, you can get into the PAC 12 network shit where it's like the PAC 12 network made it harder for East coast people and people who don't live in that yeah. geographic footprint right. to watch the game, which is a failure of Larry Scott. I have a hard time blaming George Klyovkov at all. I, I, I don't think it's fair to say he's done a horrendous job as, as the commissioner okay. so far. I mean, the PAC 12 is, was, more or less. I mean, when he took the job, the Oklahoma Texas thing, the wheels were already turning on that, right? Like that was already going to be a thing before he even took over and took the pack. So this is where, again, we're going to look back 50 years from now at this time. And we're going to, there's going to be an article written or a documentary or something that's going to showcase this. And it's like, you know, when you watch the magic Johnson and Larry bird documentary and they condense like 15 years of shit into like a two hour window. And you're like, wow, that's crazy. And it makes it seem like the eighties were like this really fast time period. It's the same thing that's going to happen. Well, that's true. The same thing is going to happen 30 years from now when we come back and look at this and we're going to be like, Oh, I can see the whole picture now from start to finish. Cause at the beginning of it, like these wheels have been turning for a while. And I think the college football playoff and everything has started to lead itself to a world where it's going to end up being two conferences. Now that is ultimately driven by TV companies and and media companies, which sucks. And it takes out the tradition and and some of that shit that makes college football so special. And that's that's why you're, yeah. Well, I mean, because that's worth talking about. Like, well, because I, you, I've this is well documented on this podcast. I'm a college football traditionalist, right? I grew up on the West Coast. I watched Penn State football growing up. That's why I ended up at Penn State and watched. Hey, man, you know, I'm Preach. a huge Penn State football fan, um, and so I grew up watching all these Pac-12 schools play because that's just what was in front of me. Um, and and the other thing I, I think about too, Vito, is the Rose Bowl. Like the Rose Bowl has to be Dude. furious at this, uh, like the Rose Bowl committee. Uh, because we had a system for years where it was the big 10 champion plays the PAC 12 champion or PAC 10 champion at the time in the, uh, in the Rose bowl. And now you're going to get five big 10 PAC 10 games in the Rose bowl during a, a, a regular season. And <laughs> the Rose awesome, bowl have- no, that's a good point. It's Scotty. A, I would much it rather is a have good point. It's a very good point. Well, I would much rather point. have our like big 10 championship game at the Rose Bowl instead of an indie. I got to say, we got to move it out there. That would be like the Rose Bowl just becomes the Big that's Ten Championship hey, game. That's a great it's point. West well, and so, so this is the other thing too, I think, uh, because if you know Big Ten fans, they're they're absolute fanatics. Uh, and I was talking with a, a bunch of my my family who, are, who either went to Oregon or are Oregon fans. And I was like, can't wait. Half jokingly, I was like, can't wait for our, our family regular season rivalry between Penn State and Oregon. Um, and... And then I was getting to thinking about it, and I was like, Jesus, the tickets for a Penn State game at Eugene 
are going to be astronomical because every Penn Stater within a thousand miles is going to be like descending on Eugene for that. Well, I think that's, that's the point. I think that's missed in this is there's a great opportunity on the flip side too. I know we talked about the negative side of the students, but like there are a lot of people, right. Who grow up and get a scholarship and they dominate their sport and they go to a school and now they're going to have, instead of the opportunity to travel to like, and the big 10, let's say you grew up in Jersey and you see New York and you go down, you see Philly and you, you maybe travel from Rutgers to some other schools in the big 10, you see some places now all of a sudden getting to understand like, no, I'm going to California to hang out there for a couple of days and like whatever. And, and California kids being able to actually leave Scotty, which is, I know like that was, you know how that is. Like a lot of people never do. And it, you can tell. And like, it's, it, and it's going to make recruiting harder in the big 10 now that you can well, go to a conference school in LA and be like, Oh, sure. <laughs> well, I think the thing that's going to happen is it gives the students, not only just in football, these other, like, you know, these other programs, the ability to see a lot more of the country than they usually would. And I think our whole, not to get more meta about it, but like as a whole society, I think after COVID we've, even before COVID, right? Just look at where we were 20, 50 years ago and how much travel just is going exponentially. People travel for their job all the time. And like, you can do so much more stuff remote. I'm happy that like students are going to be able to see more of the country, hopefully from all of this. I, that's the one positive I think that like uh, more people would just benefit for in general. And I'm really happy that that's a, a positive side effect from this. You guys remember when Snoop Dogg changed his name to Snoop Lion? Yeah. Yeah. When, whenever Vito gets meta, can we start calling him Snoop Brian? Because it sounds like he just like <laughs> smoked a bunch of weed. That's For great. sure, dude. I don't mean to get meta. I don't mean to get meta. Like, like, did we're... you ever think about how like your hands wiggle? Like, <laughs> like you can just wiggle your hands and like not even think about it. It's fucking weird, dude. Um, however, okay, but to your point, Vito, and it's funny because you took the same transition that I wanted to. Which is that ultimately we can we can fight about this. We can argue and the traditional uh, there is a huge part of me that's bummed about the natural rivalries, all that stuff that's going to end. Over the last 20 years in college football. Conference realignment has been a thing. Classic rivalries have changed. Traditions have changed. And it is a bummer, right, to a certain extent, Like you're going to hear it. It's going to be a bummer. You know, when Oklahoma and Texas weren't in the same you know, conference, they still played each other every year, you know, like, and they did it for a hundred years, right. Even though they weren't in the same conference. So I, I want to try to be optimistic because ultimately there is something to what you said, uh, Scotty, about the idea that like, all right, well now like the Rose bowl committee is going to be pissed because the Rose bowl is not going to seem as special because the PAC 12, the big 12, all this but at the same time, if they get Oregon and Washington in the Big Ten, you're going to have Rose Bowl-type matchups every single week. You're going to have amazing games. And when push comes to shove, especially for you guys who have a team who's in, who's a, one of the bigger brands in the conference, who's in that conference forever, you're locked into this now super com, you know conference format. You're not one of the Vanderbilts. Or, you know, the Mizzou's or one or the, you know, Northwest. No, Northwestern has been pretty good. Or the Maryland's or Rutgers or these lower tier teams in each of the conferences. Right. <laughs> nice. You guys. Yeah, I know you like that one. You guys are locked into it. Every single Saturday, we're going to sit down and watch college football. And even if it doesn't necessarily feel the same as it did before, the second they kick it off, we're all going to sit down and watch college football and love it. 
like that because that's ultimately what's going to happen in a weird way the quality of all of these matchups is going to get higher because instead of you know you know if, if you're adding schools like ucla yeah, you USC, that, James Franklin. <laughs> oklahoma and texas to the sec you're gonna by default have more auburn oklahoma matchups or you know uh, Florida and Oregon, and Ohio Texas, state, <laughs> right. Or you're going to have Oregon, Ohio state, which we just saw last year was an amazing game or yeah. Penn state, USC, you know, re-rack the Sam Darnold, uh, you know, Saquon that's Rose bowl. Deep, yep. No. That's run it back. Incredible game. It was an right. Incredible game. But we're going to get opportunities like that, right. Where we're going to have more bigger brands and less of the, like, you're still going to have, you know, Tennessee playing Vanderbilt or what you're still going to have weird ass <laughs> bad matchups and that already existed there. But Assuming and that Rutgers. neither of these teams are done in these conferences are done expanding, you're going to get more high quality teams, whether it's a Utah, whether it is eventually Clemson, like Clemson in, in the SEC, like, come on, dude, how amazing would that be as just an objective college football fan? Yeah. Oh, it would be great. Like them versus Bama. Let's get that out in the regular season. Let's like, again, it's going to turn into then who wins the SEC, who wins the, who wins the Big Ten? Big and, then, 10. Yeah. and then you take that jar off the shelf, and Notre Dame is just messing around, and they might well, upset all of us every once in a while. Let's do it, right? Because right <laughs> now there's one prize pig at the at the at the county fair right now, and where there's going to be a fucking auction for them. And I have no, I mean, let's be honest, the natural fit is the Big Ten. That makes way yeah. more sense in the SEC. Um, but the question <laughs> is. Is Notre Dame going to be willing to give up the independence? Which this the history behind Notre Dame being independent, everything is goes back like 50, 60, 70 years of crazy legal battles, um, you know, TV rights changes, like a whole bunch of shit that, that that basically went on. And part of what Notre Dame's whole shtick is, right? They go out and play USC, they they play Navy every year, right? They play Stanford every year now. Like they do that because when with them being Michigan, in, in yeah. Michigan, right. With them being an independent team, they kind of have to go across the country to, to, to showcase themselves. Right. Cause they don't have a regional TV network. They do get the national broadcast. Right. But again, if USC is playing the other game, you're going to get more West coast people when they play Navy, when they play all these different schools, they go around and play when they played Clemson, right. Uh, two years ago. Right. You get that same kind of, thing like oh damn like notre dame's going to be playing someone big and everyone's going to tune in to watch it notre dame's not going to be in a position where all right well i can join the big 10 and i can go play Rutgers, and then i can also go play usc and you can keep the usc tradition alive but there's also going to be elements of this too where it's like all right well what is notre dame going to do with the navy rivalry because the story behind the navy rivalry is incredible right and i don't know i'm not sure how familiar you guys are with it but it's essentially Notre Dame needed to play Navy every single year back in like the 1940s in order to keep their football team afloat afloat. And it was a handshake yeah, before that. Yeah. It was afloat? a afloat. <laughs> it was Navy. a hand there. Oh, there you go. Um, it was a handshake agreement and it kept the Notre Dame football team alive. And Notre Dame went on to be one of the most, if not the single most influential team in college football and they still do based off the ratings and the numbers and everything else that they get and the fact yeah. that they have a national tv contract for one school right that well, alone guys, tells you that like that that goes back to there's this guy red grange hall of famer i mean the guy made college football like he went pro he's one of the first guys to go pro he made the nfl like watchable 
basically mm-hmm. got ticket sales. And like, he's from Notre Dame. A lot of the new rock he got, like, this is like Notre Dame really helped get in Navy I mean, way Rudy, back, get football, right. everything into even way like I'm talking like from the 1910s to the 1930s, 40, like all of that was just massive amounts mm-hmm. of it was Notre Dame, army, Navy. Look at who won the Heisman's back then. Yep. It's the schools. And it's, and to your point, like what's going to happen. The, are we just, Scott, to your point of the traditional side, are we just going to throw all of that away and go to something new? And, and, but like, and it's a real question because I think there's going to be some of that during all this realignment and there's going to be some of, Hey, this is really exciting. We're going to have Penn state USC matchups, but outside of everything else, like you're going to gain some, and you're going to lose some. And, and what are you willing to give up on the history side in order to gain in like modern excitement? Well, it's a really it's, interesting take. The other part of this too and you're right. That is, I mean, it's a very, it's a, again, more of that like existential, like big picture kind of question with college football that I think is fascinating, but we're also going to be sitting there in a position kind of talking about like, so Notre Dame obviously being the, the massive brand that they are. Right. And, and again, have a hundred years of, of history, the Rudy thing alone. The reason I brought that up was not because like, obviously he didn't play all the way back then, but like, that movie meant a lot to people. I didn't have a college football team growing up, but I watched Rudy when I was a kid. And I was like, I like Notre Dame now because I watched Rudy. Right. So ultimately like there's a stranglehold here and this whole idea, uh, if they were to move to a two super team or two super conference type format. And in addition to that, you would expect that football would be run outside of the NCAA at that point. There's not going to be out of conference games. No. You're going to have two conferences. You're going to play a six and six schedule. You might have one or two cross conference games between the SEC and the Big Ten or whatever they're going to be called at that point, assuming they keep those two same names. And the rest of it, like you're not like Notre Dame's not going to be able to schedule Navy, right? It's it's going to be against the, whatever the TV contracts and everything that end up coming out and whatever the new format's going to be. The one thing that could potentially change Notre Dame's mind here as to whether or not they will or won't, because I'm of the camp that believes that Notre Dame is going to fight tooth and nail to avoid having to join one of these conferences. The access to the championship, whatever that's going to be in this new format, whether if it's the two super conferences and all four or all eight, however many teams end up getting in from these two super conferences, if it's a, hey, you have to be in one of these conferences to compete for the national championship, then Notre Dame's going to join. Yeah, I'm with you. Unless they're forced into it with the with the playoff, which I however think, that shapes. I out. hope. Um, I think they will. Like I think ultimately yeah. that's what's going to happen. I think that they're going to be forced to have to do that. I think to your point, it's, it's going to come down to money. It's going to come down to can they keep up the financial side and on the football side. To your point, I think they need to keep some out of conference somehow. But I don't know how, man. When you have too many teams, you can just. It schedule. would be like, cross. Well, I, it would be cross conference. It would be like, and I would love would, that. It'd Big be, Ten yeah. teams would play SEC teams. Whatever's considered the Big Ten, or like in, the in SEC. basketball, we do the uh, the Big yeah. Ten ACC. Challenge. I've been talking about this for years. Yeah, we should have the year before the ones play the ones, the two play. It's like everyone. So if you play, had a great season, you have to play a great opponent, and then that way we find out from top to bottom what the conference mm. is better, and that would be really really fun. To more have like at, more like NFL schedule style. Right. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Like, I, it's so funny because they're like, oh, well, we need to figure this out. Use in advance. I've been saying this forever. You guys know on the pod. I like 
you don't need to figure this out in forever. Like college football schedules games four years ahead of time. The NFL doesn't know shit until like two months before the season. They figure it all out, make everything work with like stadiums that have other major sports going on in all of them. Like it's yeah, so and concerts and everything else yeah. that's going on. Yeah. And, two and NFL I think teams. Yeah. <laughs> I think if we ha- if the NFL if college football ends up getting pulled away from the NCAA, we will likely see a more NFL style format where you know every team has to play three or has to play four teams from the AFC that plays in the NFC and vice versa. You have to play one team out of conference or one division out of conference. I think we end up seeing a similar format in 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 college football if we get to that super team conference where it's like there's 18 teams or 16 teams in the big 10 and 16 teams in the sec or however it gets broken down whether or not it's good for college football i'm going to say the same thing i always say whenever we talked you know last year about nil transfer portal whatever we're not going to know till five years after it starts we didn't we and to be honest I, i make the argument that the college football playoff has been better for college football because the tv ratings have gone up the numbers, the money, the revenue, all that stuff's gone up, especially as, as live sports have become the sole, you know, you know, valuable live TV product that's left. That number is only going to keep going up. And the quality of the matchups week in and yeah. week up will be incredible. So, and, and I think it's, it's it, that'll end up ultimately being better for the parody. Like people are tired of saying, oh, we get the same four, five, six teams in the playoff every year. Like this is going to help change that but like, a little bit. And here's the thing too. We all say right now how much, and this is not to sound like insensitive to it, like it's going to really, really, really suck for a bunch of really good programs. Like think about your Oklahoma States, right? Think about your uh, Utah's. These, you know, well, not Penn State because Penn State's going to be in one of the super conferences. I'm talking about teams that right now are outside looking in who very well might get an invitation at some point. But for where we stand right now are like, a, what the hell is our future hold kind of thing? How many people now or even uh, 10 days ago before all this happened, we're thinking about, man, this really sucks for Kansas state. The fact that Oklahoma and Texas left the big 12, that's a real bummer. And it's a sad thought because ultimately we think about it in the moment and we go, man, it's going to suck that Washington state is not going to end up being in one of these is not going to be a power five school anymore. Right. Yeah. But as soon as we get a year removed help six months removed, or as soon as it turns into action, none of us, are going to be thinking about Washington State. And it's going to create – and I, I made this joke as a JMU fan, Clay right? Thompson. <laughs> right. I made this joke as a JMU fan. JMU finally moves up to the FC, to the FBS to be in a group of five school, right right below the Power Five, and now there's going to be a whole other class, and JMU is <laughs> going to be just as far away from the national championship as we were before. So not oh, to man. say that JMU was ever going to have a realistic chance. I mean, maybe one day they could have done one of those Cincinnati-type runs, but that opportunity <laughs> is not going to be there with the direction that college football is going. So yeah, Jamie, you'll get more money now, but the group of five is basically now the one, the one caveat that I'll throw out there for that sports gambling being legal and all those games being televised still will be beneficial, but it's not it legal will. in California, which are the two schools but that just t- got added to the, but by 10. the time this, by the time this gets there into realistic standpoint, I think more and more States across the country, it will be legalized. Yeah. And I think California yeah, is not that I far just off now. Anyway. So, so, they're coming in 24. I saw Texas, Oklahoma apparently are still not planning to go until 25. Is it 25? So okay. Which is wild. That's so long. They're, they're like, it's so long to basically be like dating someone and be like, I'm going to break up with you in three years, but like, we're going to hang out for a while. Like, what is that about? That's exactly what they're doing with that whole conference. Yeah, like, probably going to get sick of you in three years. Yeah. 
Yeah, yeah, we're gonna leave and go on to something. Well, it's smart. It's it's smart on the Big Twelve side because while you gotta take the money while while you can, and then the Big Twelve will weirdly enough kind of be in the power position of the remaining conferences. But again, who knows what any like what's gonna happen to the ACC? What's gonna happen to the rest of the Pac-12 and the rest of the the Big Twelve? I'll tell you what's happening in the ACC. Hawaii Hawaii's going to the ACC. The other the other cool thing. Go Rainbow Warriors, by the way. Uh, the other uh, fun thing I saw on Twitter, I, I can't remember the guy who tweeted it, and I wish I could credit him now, but uh, with USC going to the Big Ten, they have to create an automatic rivalry between them and Michigan State and call it the Trojan War. I just have Just Spartan have the Trojan, Trojan. horse as, as, the, as, the, as the prize, the trophy, and uh, and that's a good you know, one. Either the Spartans or the Trojans are going to win one of these. Years maybe and, maybe and, they can take the helmet off of the you know because USC always has like the live action Trojan. Maybe yeah. that becomes the prize. Like if you win, you get to go over to the mascot and rip the helmet off of his head and be like, you know, "We got your fucking helmet," and now. stick it in the middle of the field. <laughs> yeah, um, it's gonna be it's gonna be interesting. How honestly, I kind of want the you know the Big Twelve to be like, "Yo, let's go get Oregon and Washington right now." Because think about that conference, dude. You want to talk about, you know, plane rides? They just added UCF. So they will span from Orlando oh to Eugene, Oregon, baby. That'll be 3,300 miles or something. That's crazy. On the continent of the United States, that has to be like the furthest distance you could possibly have to fucking yeah. go. That's um, crazy. But, hey, college football, it never sleeps. And we know that. And uh, we're about 50-something days away. So before we know it, week zero is going to be here. And uh, and I, I can't wait to not talk about this and talk about college football. And we're not that far away. All right. We're going to take another break, do a little bit of NFL talk. We have a ranking our top five list here for you guys coming up. Uh, and I'm excited for that as well. So all that coming after the break. Wrapping up now, we had some NBA. We had college football realignment. And of course, we have to end with the NFL. Uh, that never one, sleeps either, Jeff. <laughs> it never sleeps, even less than college football. Um, the NFL, we have one serious story and then one story that if you're listening to this now, you most definitely have heard. So uh, except for my mom, which I might tell you, hey, Vic, maybe just skip this one a little bit. Um, so right off the bat here, Baker Mayfield uh, gets traded to the Carolina Panthers. Um, this was such a weird situation from start to finish with Baker and the Browns just kind of the whole thing was just weird. Right. Um, I still, and have defended Baker time after time, especially as more and more stuff comes out about the Deshaun Watson situation. Um, I continue to defend Baker because Baker Mayfield was a year less than a year removed from taking that team to its first playoff berth in like 20 years and then won a playoff game against their hated rivals. Uh, demolished. Demolished. Thank you. Good, good correction there. And then, you know, had on the road, multiple, multiple torn <laughs> rotator cuff, you know, situations going on and still played through. And the team was still like close to 500. And all of a sudden he like, wasn't the guy. Now I get from a football talent, whatever, all things aside, Deshaun Watson, obviously an upgrade over Baker Mayfield, but still it really feels like to a place that he called home, he embraced when no one else was willing to embrace them. The whole thing just still reeks of shittiness of Browns fans. And I'm just off Browns fans. Now I used to be a fan. One of my best friends is a Brown fan. Used to root for them on the side. I'm out. I'm anti Browns. Sorry. Um, but the Baker Mayfield fit in Carolina 
there's a lot of talk right now that Baker Mayfield is, is, you know, it's a competition. It's him versus Sam Darnold. You know, I, in my eyes, there's a clear better quarterback here, assuming Baker Mayfield is fully healthy off of the torn rotator cuff. And I think Baker's going to have every opportunity, despite what Robbie Anderson's saying about him and Sam Darnold have chemistry. And it's like, bro, he did not throw to you at all. And you got more targets when Cam Newton was your quarterback than when Sam Darnold was, but whatever. Um, I would just be more hyped on Baker Mayfield. And I think it's a, it's an interesting situation. And for the Panthers, it's a win-win, right? You're bringing in two guys who are going to compete. You just drafted Matt Corral. So you have a guy with huge upside who fell late into the round, even though I thought he was going to be drafted higher. I think we all did, but Matt Corral still has upside. It's going to give him a chance to let his body develop. He needs to do that with his frame right now. Uh, and then maybe, who knows, maybe Baker ends up taking them on a run because they do have good players on that roster and they do have good defensive pieces who should be theoretically coming into their own in their you know third year here with Matt Rule. So that was kind of my overall take with it. Scotty, I'll let you go first. Any, did anything surprise you or anything jump out at you or, or how do overall do you see Baker fitting in with the Carolina Panthers? No, I think, I think the, uh, the narrative around both him and Donald is pretty similar, like top guys who like fizzled out at, uh, at, you know, the, the teams that they were with previously. I think Baker got a bit of a bad rap though, honestly, like, and, and we said Baker during the off season, complete bullshit. We said during the off season, if he comes to the NFC, he's probably, I said this, uh, I'm not going to speak for the, for the two of you. I said, if he comes to the NFC, he's probably a top eight quarterback. And, and I still think that's true. Uh, I, I think, especially with Matt Ryan now in the AFC, mm-hmm. uh, I, I still think that's true. I think he can, he has the pieces around him in Carolina. Uh, I, I think he makes a receiver like DJ Moore infinitely better. Uh, and, and Robbie Anderson, for as much talk as he wants to do, you know, I'm not going to speculate on the on the BS behind the scenes that goes on between those guys. But at the end of the day, if they're all bought in, they're all bought in. And this is again. Uh, this is on Matt rule. Like this is a, a, a shit or get off the pot year for him. So um, I think it has more to do with that than, than it does with anything else. But Baker is, is a huge, a huge asset and, and a really talented quarterback when he's out on the field uh, playing at the level that we know he's capable of playing at. And I think he's got the the space and the weapons. Chris McCaffrey's back. I mean, we forget about him every year because in fantasy, we're like, Oh God, he's injured. Oh, oh Christ. Uh, but yeah, like, so he's got, he's got that too. So like, there's a lot of pressure off of him. The defense in, in Carolina, like you said, is is in a really good spot, I think, and and uh, getting more mature. And, and I think that whole team is, and, and this might be a, a bit of a humbling experience for Baker, having gone through this little chip on the shoulder, uh, get it done. And he's in a good division to do that and get it done and, and be really successful. That's really interesting. So before I want to get your thoughts here on this here too, Vito, but I did just look up all like the list of the starting quarterbacks in the NFC. And I think you might be right. Like if it's the Baker we saw in Cleveland, I mean, Mariota or Ritter in Atlanta, he's better than Kyler. No. So that's one that he's not better than uh, Justin Fields. I would still take Baker right now. Arguable. Long-term, I would take yeah, Justin I would Fields. Um, uh, Dak, I would, Dak's better. Jared Goff. Yeah, he's right there. Maybe I think they're about the same. Mm, Rodgers is obviously no better. Stafford's better. Kirk Cousins is better. Jameis, sorry, close your ears, Vito, is not. I, I don't think Jameis is better than Baker. I would rather have Baker. Um, don't say that. 
<laughs> Daniel Jones, not better. Jalen Hurts? I, I, I don't think so. I would, would take you, Baker would, over Jalen. Would, you would rather have Baker be the starting quarterback of your team right now than Jalen? I'd rather have Baker yes. or uh, Jalen than Daniel Jones. And Baker over Daniel Jones for sure. Oh, so would I. I would rather I would rather yeah. have Jalen over Baker personally. But let's call it tentatively five to six, right? Yeah. Then Jimmy Jimmy G. Mm-hmm. I think I kind of would rather have Baker, even have though Baker. I think they're not that far. And then it's Drew Locke, and then it's Tom Brady and Carson Wentz. So tentatively six to seven quarterbacks. So I think top eight, and I think all three of us are relatively high on Baker again. Looking into the Baker that we saw in the year they went to the playoffs, he is a better if, – if, if it's that Baker, yeah, he's a top eight quarterback in the NFC. And what annoys me too is – is and Vito, you, you can speak to this more because you, you, you know, live there now part-time and, and you see the, the fanaticism of, of the Cleveland fan base. And I think it's a relatively loyal one. And they really like were behind him when they were doing well and shit on him when he did poorly. And Baker bought in to the whole Cleveland thing. They were, they were in the middle of a rebuild, as you remember. Uh, he was like the pinnacle of that rebuild. We were like, okay. He's the first one who got him a win in like two years. And and then they go get OBJ, and it's like, well, here we are in the playoffs now. Like, um, and, and that was something that the Cleveland fan base had not seen for almost 20 years. So, like, when it was high, it was high. When it was super low, it was super low. Uh, well, the thing I is, think- they made it used to always be super low. And then what happened is you raise it up, and the second it got mediocre, they were so used to everything falling apart. This fan base is like, oh, here we go again. Quarterback sucks to get rid of the team, blow it up. It's like, all right, right. everybody relax. And, and that's, <clears> that's the bad football. rap I'm talking about. Yeah, because yeah. he was still playing good football. And, and how to- quickly they turned on him. And like, look, not to turn this into a Philly thing, but like, criticize Philly all you want. It took like, two and a half years of Mark Fultz not being able to play and almost four years of Ben Simmons and a lot of stuff. And even still to the very bitter end in that, in that Atlanta series, but Ben Simmons and everything like Philly fans like, still ride and died, but they still <laughs> yeah. were, you know, were, were at least supportive. They didn't turn yeah. them. You may not have thought it was a perfect fit, but in the moment you were still there rooting for him. hundred percent Philly fans would have never done this after, you know, one year of Baker Mayfield, you know what I mean? Like, and, and that to me is, it's disappointing. The other aspect obviously is the Deshaun Watson thing, which I mentioned a little bit earlier, but this tweet was from June 30th. And um, I sent it to my buddy who's a Browns fan. Cause I, I, I just thought it was, I thought it was funny, but also it said a lot. And he said, seeing Baker Mayfield host a charity event in Cleveland, the same day that Deshaun Watson is having his legal hearing only after the Browns said they want an adult at quarterback is the Cleveland Browns content we all know and love. <laughs> and it's, it's so true. It, that it, is it's, so, oh my gosh. You know, oh yeah, we want an adult in the room and the guy who's currently on trial right now, you know, in the, or has his hearings right now, I should, I should say more appropriately. Um, but it's, it's, that's facts. You know, you can't argue that. And meanwhile, like Baker Mayfield, at that point, was still in Cleveland, hosting a charity event, did everything right, but oh, he did too many TV commercials. So and and yeah, he's sucking, not focused on the which game, which were amazing, he's, by the way. Yeah, and he filmed he them all. He filmed them all in one day in the <laughs> offseason at the stadium, at not the stadium in California. In Cleveland. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, you know, set his whole camp up there. And you said something there, Scotty, that I want to touch on about you know him mm-hmm. and Darnold have had similar paths. I don't necessarily think that's true. Because both of them went into 
the two worst franchises, I mean, you'd say those two in Detroit over the last, you know, you know, 20 years or so of the NFL and had to take on challenges of being the guy as a top, you know, Baker number one and for Darnold number three overall pick to take over a franchise that has also ruthless fans and are it's a big market with fans who care a lot about it. And Baker had the mentality that said, fuck you, I'm going to make this fucking happen. And Sam Darnold, you know, not to say that, you know, it's not that he had a whole lot of help along the way either. You know, he had Adam Gates as his head coach hey. there for two years, yeah. right? But, like, at the same time, like, Baker also had Hugh Jackson his first year. So, like, he at yeah. least was willing to 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 get after it, to, to embrace the challenge because he, you know, to preview our next segment, has that dog in him. So – I I am high on Baker Mayfield. I really hope he goes in and wins out that that job and and cements himself as as the better I guy because I think that's what he's gonna. I I think he's a really I at his ceiling. I think he's a top ten to top twelve quarterback. I think he can be a, a, a maybe we'll call it like Kirk Cousins, but like with uh, you know some old bay on it or at least a little bit of more seasoning. <laughs> right, he's a spicier Kirk Cousins at least. I think he'd be really great. I mean, you got to remember at this point in his career, remember Drew Brees had injuries and no one wanted to sign him. And he finally goes to the Saints. I'm not saying it's the same, but they wanted him out because they had Phillip Rivers. Very different situation. But like, man, he's even younger than that. And I think even in a better spot. I, I hope he ha- continues to have a very great career and, starting. And it makes though. you question why a team like Seattle, like, are, are, they have no idea what they're getting in Drew Locke. And granted, I know they wouldn't. Have oh, I know what they're getting. They're getting. <laughs> it's just not fucking good. I mean, that's the problem, right? And, and See, so, Seattle's why if tanking. you're Seattle, what? Why wouldn't you? Why wouldn't you gamble on that, uh, knowing that you could probably get into the top three and get a, a, one yeah. of these guys uh, uh, and that's, in the next? That's what I think. Draft, but or for whatever reason, Seattle and the ownership and stuff there, which is a little more old fashioned, might just think, oh, we we don't like that. But that Baker guy, he's a little fine too by me. For us. Fine they by want, me. They want the uh, your new quarterback, Vito, who's you know corny as hell and cheesy and and. You know, what does he keep saying with the Broncos? It's like he keeps saying like a charge up or he's, I forget what it is, but there's some saying he keeps saying. It wouldn't be charge up. Just, that's a rival. That's true. Good point. Good point. <laughs> um, but there's, there's something that he's saying hooves up He's saying hooves up. That makes him sound like an idiot. Um, yeah. I don't know. I, I, I love Baker, so I hope he does well. And I hope he proves everybody wrong. Me too. Um, all right. So the far more important story uh, off the field, which has just turned into uh, at social media gold. Um, Zach Wilson turn turns out Zach Wilson, similar to what I just said about Baker Mayfield. It's got that dog in him. <laughs> All right. So I'm going to set the scene here for people who haven't heard the story. If you haven't God bless <laughs> that's you. a good one. Um, so this Strap is all spe- on, Dano. first off, this is all <laughs> speculative, right? This is, there's no actual confirmation here. We don't know for sure one way or the other. Um, but Zach Wilson played quarterback at BYU. His best friend, or I should say former best friend, was his uh, wide receiver at BYU, Dax Milne. All right. Now, when Zach Wilson got drafted, uh, he was noted he had an absolutely stunning girlfriend there with him who had been his long-term college girlfriend. They'd been together for a long time, dated uh, all throughout his rookie year as well. Dax, his former best friend, is also a wide receiver for the Washington Commanders. Um well, as it turns out, something happened, and uh, his former best friend and now his ex-girlfriend are now dating. 
So she posts a picture of her and, and this guy Dax, right, on this on some nice, pretty sunset beach. And uh, naturally, as people do in the comments, someone went in and said the phrase, which is new to me, homie hopper, which I believe is supposed to be a derogatory term sent to women who uh, jump around in friend groups from one guy to another guy to another guy. Philandering. Yeah. Phil- philanderous behavior, right? From the Mormons, nonetheless. Um, well that's an important aspect of this too now her response to this comment is what has everybody in a big tiff here right because if if it's anything it's like all right who really cares about zach wilson and his ex-girlfriend's weird drama whatever no one really gives a crap um her response to this guy who said homie hopper in the comments was uh he was sleeping with his mom's best friend that's the real homie hopper he was sleeping, Zach Wilson, with his mom's best friend. That's the real homie hopper. Incredible. So, so that line alone, right? I mean, fantastic. So well written. Great delivery. Yeah, no absolutely killed, killed the line. Sleeping with his mom's best friend. That's the real homie hopper. Unbelievable. Now, before we get into what the internet took this and did everything else with it, I want to know what was going on in her mind when she was typing this. Cause we all have those moments when you want to say something petty. And the most of the time, if it's on social media, if you at least have restraint, like you're not going to say something right. Like you, you have that to be like, you know what? I might type it out, but I'm just going to leave it in the draft. So I'm going to delete it. I'm not actually going to send out the tweet, but then there's like, all been there. There's like one out of every like 20 to maybe like, 30 tweets that well, you do quick enough to hit the send button. Yes, exactly. <laughs> that you do actually end up sending the tweet. And I so badly want to know if this was one of those moments first. She was like, I probably shouldn't say this. I know I shouldn't say this, but you know what? Fuck it. I'm going to do it anyway. And then it turns into this viral insane, like the original tweet that screen grabbed everything has over 17,000 likes. It's been seen by millions of people. It's been talked about on every podcast, you know, that's out there. Uh, I know Barstool has had an absolute field day with this. So I don't know. The question remains as, first of all, the reaction from teammates and other guys like DK Metcalf was like goat status immediately. Like the the reaction from NFL players is hilarious. But the question still remains, do we actually think Zach Wilson was banging his mom's best friend? Yes. Yes. And what? (laughs) I kind of think they were too. Like, I don't know, man. Like, yeah, this girl's pretty. She probably has like 10,000 followers on Instagram. But like, I, I, dude, to drop that comment after everything, and I'm sure it seems like there's some bad blood going on there. Maybe he turned into a dick after he got his number two overall pick money. Who knows? But like. Dax's mom has got it going on. And by the way, Dax is. I don't think it was play- Dax's mom. Uh, he plays for the Washington Commanders. This is like not even cracking the top 10 of headlines for the Washington Commanders this offseason, by the way. <laughs> It's huge. <laughs> well, he's probably not even going to crack the 53-man roster either, so yeah. who really gives a shit? No, I think it's a wild, absolutely wild scenario. I love how they announced this. They put it out there, and you know teammate, people are going to find out. So the comments are going to come, and I think really what America needs to decide is who is the homie hopper? Is it her or is it him? And that's – we need a vote. We need American great Idol. debate. Well, yeah. yeah, this is what – this is better be what the presidency is all about next time. What? <laughs> yeah, just see, Jake, Ta- just see Jake Tapper 
sitting up there in, in a presidential debate. Would you have sex with your friend's mom? <laughs> you know, with Are your you familiar friends? with the phrase? You're both familiar with the phrase homie hopper, correct? Um, <laughs> so now, but if it's your mom's best friend, is that, how can that be the homie hopper? How can, does Zach Wilson become the homie hopper? Or does That's the mom's I mean. best friend become the homie hopper? She She's the homie hopper, right? I think Zach Wilson's free and all this because Honestly, it's like this. I feel like hooking up with your mom's like good friend or whatever is also all right. I also grew up in Southern California. Let me preface everything I'm about to say with that. So, right, like, making it, it seem like this is, is a regular important, important caveat. Wait, yeah. wait, wait. Set the scene. Explain why that's an important caveat because I don't, I don't understand why. Well, in okay, Orange County, right. in particular. Yeah, in Orange County, California, moms were like. I remember being in high school and being like, I there were more attractive moms than like girls in school. Like it was an incredible amount. Like, I don't understand how to describe it, but it was a very like, um, moms were just like hot all of the time. And like, it was a, it was a very big thing. I think put it this way. There were a lot of people who had a lot of money and they put money into their looks a mm. lot. That was very, that was a big deal there. It was social status. Like that was a big deal. Stifler's and mom too. American, yeah. America pie. Yep. Did just come out. Yeah. Yep. So anyway, all of that being said, I guess what I'm trying to say is that like, I don't think it's that if this dude had like wanted to hook up with her forever and he gets drafted and he was like, I'm going to do this. And he was ruining his relationship. Like there are a lot of negatives to this situation. Don't get me wrong, but it's his choice. Dude, the well, who knows friend, the timeline either. Well, the mom's friend is like, now it's just like, well, what are you going back over? Are you going to hang out with your friend? Like, dude, if I had a friend, I think she like, should embrace it. A, just be like, what? yeah. And <laughs> yeah. But think about if it's flipped, right? Imagine if it was us and I was hanging out with a friend and the friend slept with my daughter, they would be over. You would never, right. Oh yeah. You Good. would never, it would be done. This is yeah. such a situation where but like, it's also it's like a boy. role, but it's also like a yeah. dude versus like girl situation. Like, yeah. Like totally. if, it, if it was reversed, yeah, that wouldn't be. True, no, but I'll tell you what, this if the whole community of America, like the, all the Twitterverse and what's going on, would be totally different oh, if yeah. it was like, yeah, oh yeah. Oh man, jeez. Like imagine tell you if what, he though. was with a new girl and someone was like, What happened to your ex? Okay, and there's also like, oh, she slept with her dad's friend. There's also like, a oh. couple other like important little notes here. Uh it's worth mentioning, and I said this at the top. Zach Wilson met his girlfriend and this other guy, Dax, and grew up as Mormons in the Mormon community, which I'll be honest, I don't know a whole lot about the Mormons other than you're not supposed to be doing that until you're married. Right. And then once you are, you're allowed to have like eight wives and you can just have your whole little life. It's a whole, it's a whole thing out there. So is there a chance that Mormons are just like lying? Like a lot of people who are into organized religion and are just like fucking way more than Mm. other people. That's a possibility. I'm not, uh, I'm not here to speculate on that. I, I'll t- I, like I, said, I will I'm tell just, you what. Though. I'm just asking questions, right? I'll tell yeah. you what. This so wait, this Scott. increases if you're a if you're a Jets fan. This increases my confidence in him. That's like to true. go after this, like uh, just unbelievable confidence in my quarterback. He can do anything. Anything. I would love. I would love because it doesn't seem like Zach Wilson's been handling this all that great. So like, I would love an official like press release from the New York Jets with his statement on it. I think that would be just absolutely lights out, just like un- unreal content. The unreal. other the other little part of uh, Broadway Zach. <laughs> the other thing that's worth noting here, um, and then we'll we'll take it, we'll, we'll we'll get into our, our our 
our top five list here in a second. The other thing that's worth noting, there have been reports already and uh, from a few months ago that when the tabloids and whatnot have seen Zach Wilson out, that he has been seeing older women in the past. So like within the last few months, he's already been, you know, seen with older women. So maybe that's just his thing, man. We don't kink shame on this hey, podcast. Hey. Love is love. No, we do not. But also <laughs> like, for it. bruh, like it was literally Stifler's mom in her life, except with the number two overall pick from a year ago. Fantastic and stuff. That is Twitter gold. All right. Last break. We'll come back. We'll do our top five list. Shout out to Zach Wilson. Absolute legend. Our, our top five list for today. The top five funniest companies for sports stadiums. So this is born out of the Heinz field. The famous stadium in Pittsburgh is no longer the uh, sponsor. Heinz is no longer the sponsor. I'm not even going to look it up because Travesty. yeah, it was like, it was some random company I'd never heard of, uh, but devastating. And Heinz field ha- forever had been one of the funniest names. Cause it's just like, it's a ketchup company, you know, sponsoring a football stadium. And uh, especially cause they were, red you know the heart of pittsburgh pittsburgh yellow and black whatever it's not super funny but we thought maybe we could come up with some funnier ones uh so we did top five of that so Vito, you're gonna kick us off start from you want to do one to five we typically do five to one so to get kick us off here give our five to one here which one you want me to go i'll do either go five we'll go five to one one. all right to one five uh 420 recreational weed dispensary at mile high the fact that our stadium is called Mile High in Denver makes this a perfect opportunity and weed is so legal there. I don't know. This isn't funny. This is just accurate. Someone needs yeah. to make the investment. This is it's on my list. But is it, is on my it? list, but it will get there. Yeah. But Mile High yeah. is like Mile High is already kind of like a slight like weed reference, you know. You know, it's kind of yeah. like a double entendre, like it's a little exactly. bit like more like, low key. Ah, but now that it's legal and everything, just yeah, go now for it's just it. like just, just go all in. Just sponsor it. Got to spend that money somehow. All right, number oh, yeah. four. Number four is uh, the best. Wait, 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 fund. wait. Hold on. Do you want to go fives around and then? Yeah, no, yeah, no. We'll do all. We'll do all five. Because we all did very different. I think we all did very different lists. So we'll yeah. do all five of him, all five of you, and then I'll I'll close. Okay. Out. Sorry. Four so, for you, Vito. Yeah, uh, Bachelorette Fun Stadium in Nashville. It's all paid for by hotel tax and drunken public tickets <laughs> by females only. <laughs> this would be incredible. The city of hey, Nashville lucrative. would literally have a free stadium that would have chandeliers in it. This place would be fucking Take that, Nissan. This would be an incre- <laughs> yeah, Nissan doesn't know shit. This is going to be one of the most beautiful stadiums. No one's even going to go watch football there. The, the amount of bars and and like... You're going to be able to take chandeliers, uh, you said. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. This is going to be a baller. Place. There's going to be mechanical bowls in every corner of the end zone. It's going to be amazing. Do you think we could wait? Do you think we could find the equidistant point between Nashville and New Orleans? And then they could they could combine their, their resources? No, because that's probably Tuscaloosa. <laughs> well, then, hey, Alabama's right. got a new stadium. <laughs> oh, I love it. All right. Number number three. Um Water ice stadium in Philly, specifically water, water. Ice, ah, water, water ice. ice. Yeah, yes. water ice. Stadium. Yeah, you could go Rita's, but I think just straight water just ice. Water they all it's com- got to be water ice. Milk used to do commercials. Like for some reason, they all got together. That's like <laughs> got water ice. ice. Got milk. <laughs> yeah, got water, water ice. Water ice in Philly, and you know it's gonna. Be and you great. just like so buy that's... the URL like gotwaterice.com, <laughs> and then that's just up on the side of the stadium. That's I right. Love that. That's it. Um, 
All right, number two for me, this is a no-brainer, and I don't know why this didn't happen. Caesar's Palace in Vegas just needs to be like – it needs to just be called Caesar's Palace. Thank yeah, you. I mean, that's where they play. Like, that is a home run. That's not even funny. That's just accurate. And then, like, that would be an amazing place. That I would love to build. Well, anyway, I, I think it might be because uh, there's, there's a little – I'm pretty sure there's a lead, little Caesar Stadium in – I think it's the NBA. In Detroit. Yeah, it's the it's the it yeah, used to be the palace the at Auburn Hills. The it's now it's the, the and, Little Caesars Red Wing arena. Stadium is Little Caesars. So maybe it's just you know confusing yourself a little bit. But you're right. <laughs> oh my Caesars God. Palace should just be the name of of one of them. Yes, especially in, Paris, in Vegas. I mean, pick your pick your casino. The, yeah. <laughs> so my my number one is uh, New Orleans, the BP Oil Superdome. I mean, <laughs> oh. you got to make up for it. <laughs> you got to end up just putting money in. And just saying, you know what, we're, we're going to own this one. We're going to like, at what point, how do you get your, your name back faster in the South? You, you sponsor football. That's what you do. The pods over. So, the this, Forever. Over. We're retired now after that. The pod is not just this episode forever. The read option. <laughs> That's so well, it was fun while it lasted boys. That's so <laughs> funny. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, I almost like fell off my chair. Damn. That's funny. All right. There we go. The BP oil, BP oil stadium. Uh, and maybe, maybe the Pelicans mascot, they'll just like redo it again. And they'll have like, <laughs> s- just have some black oh smudges. God. They oh, have the Don. They can wear blackout jerseys when the saints wear the blackout jerseys. Oh, oh my God. Oh, oh Jesus. So wild. That was good. All right. The uh, super dumb. <laughs> Scotty, to you, my friend. All right. So, should I start with my outside looking in? Or no, we'll do, we that. do that. We'll, we can do that at the end. Okay. Well, it's not as funny. Uh, so, at number five, I have uh, the Patriots renaming their stadium to Brady Field at Belichick Stadium. Ah, doing because like that seems like a route. very Patriots thing to do. So, uh, I'm surprised they haven't done it already. Frankly. Yeah, I like that uh, though because it's kind of it's kind of like you know because college stadiums oftentimes they, they'll name it after like coaches like Bear Bryant or, or Bryant Tinney is that what yeah Bryant Tinney right Bryant Denny yeah Bryant Denny God Phew, sorry all right that's a good one I like that all right number four number four is uh, I'm gonna switch to the NBA and my Golden State Warriors uh, no longer Chase Arena but uh, Chasing Rings Arena. <laughs> See when I you see said you you, all right when you said you were gonna do puns, I was just like, I'm I'm ready for like five straight dad jokes in a row. So I'm <laughs> I'm, I'm I'm in on this. I'm in on this. Two for two. All right, number three, Vito, you're gonna like this one. This is where I have mild high. It's uh, Viagra Field at Mild High. <laughs> Everyone wants to be a mile high. Uh, oh my god! You can do it there, then uh, you maybe can do oh, it anywhere. And then what you can do is you can you can rent out the the boxes as like hotel rooms overnight, so then everyone can be a part of the Mile High Club. There you go. There it is. Boom. Oh, that's, that's what it's good. called. Love it. That's, that's great really market. That's a business plan. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> Condoleezza Rice just got. She's in the ownership group. Come on, let's get a meeting let's set go. up. I'll pitch it to you. <laughs> oh man, that was that good. is that's good. That's great. Uh, number two, I have the uh, Raven Stadium being. Uh, renamed to No Bank Field uh, because they won't pay Lamar Jackson at all. 
They're M and T, right? Is that their current one? Yeah, that's right. It's M and T Bankfield. It's no Bankfield because they won't pay Lamar Jackson. <laughs> to be fair, and, Lamar uh, is turning down the offers that they gave him. But uh, well, uh, come on, he's, he's for the sake of the joke. We're in. Yeah. All right, number uh, one. And number one is uh, the Washington Commanders changing their stadium to Congressional Subpoena Arena. <laughs> I I really like that. <laughs> Dear Lord. <laughs> oh, these are fire. That's funny. <laughs> <laughs> that was good. That was good, Scotty. Well done. Well done. Thank All you. Right. Thank you. I guess I'm up. Number five, going out to Sun Devil Stadium at Arizona State, their football stadium. Mm. Valtrax Stadium. For those who don't know, Valtrax is a commonly used uh, medicine yeah. for uh, herpes. So, and if you don't go. know about Arizona State, they go just together for, well. <laughs> just for the record, I had I had to Google that what Valtrax wow. was. I that is so that was a lot of research involved yeah, tons, in that joke. Tons of it. Um, all right, this one is a combo that you could use for Wrigley. Uh, actually, sorry. Yeah, no, for Wrigley or the uh, the Yankee Stadium, which is the Big Brothers Big Sisters Field, because they're the big brother in their cities. That one was not as not as funny, but more just you know, yeah, because you know the little brothers. And that wasn't my best. Yeah, that would be really intimidating. A team coming in like fuck, we gotta go to Big Brothers Field and like play them. You know, like yeah. it's gonna that would <laughs> suck to say in the locker room. <laughs> All right, this one is also for the Washington Commanders, but I have one for their current stadium, one for the new one that they're building. Uh, For the the old stadium, I have the Scott's Toilet Paper Stadium, uh, because if you recall last year, not used Scott's Toilet Paper, (laughs) uh, when it rained literal (laughs) shit down on their fans, if it's any worse being a Washington Commanders (laughs) fan. Uh, And then I thought, too, all right, Dan Snyder's building a new stadium. What would it be called? I have the Snyder National Logistics Company Stadium for their new one, just to put his name on top of the stadium. That is exactly what he would do. As if it's possible to be any any bigger of a fuck you to Washington (laughs) football team fans. Um, Number two. National Subpoena Arena Field. (laughs) That's good. Uh, At number two, uh, baseball here, Tropicana Field home of the Rays in St. Petersburg, Florida. I have the AARP dome. Oh yeah. <laughs> now with the golden corral a field. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's great right there. Yeah, exactly. Right. <laughs> All the games are at one. It's yeah, special. They don't play, <laughs> they don't play it's, past four. It's the, it's the early bird special. <laughs> oh my God. All right. And number Good one, work. Number one, this is a uh, renaming Jordan Hare, the uh, Auburn Tigers football stadium, the True Green Lawn Care Company Stadium. For anyone who remembers, uh, they might need help regrowing some trees. They, they do. That's good. So that's our list. Any honorable mentions that you had, Scotty? Uh, yeah, I did. It was it's kind of stupid the more I read it, but uh, on the outside looking in, I had the Meta Insta Twitter Stadium in uh, in San Francisco. Um, 
that's actually for the, pretty for good. The 49ers, yeah. <laughs> that's, that's about where all the money would come from anyway, yeah. My The only one I had was by far the worst, which was uh, the Hertz Rent-A-Car Stadium and just name that the link after oh, Jalen Hurts wins a, couple, wins a couple Super Bowls. Get that, like that. Get that Hertz Rent-A-Car. That's pretty going. cool. I mean, that would be a great it's, sponsorship. It's, it's going to Hertz when the Niners beat you in the NFC Championship uh, for all the Super Bowls. That's how we say had. it. Eagles – I'm saying it right now. We're gonna we're gonna get to this here in the next couple of weeks. We're gonna start going through rosters and stuff as we get closer to football season. Eagles have a top I mean, three seven, weeks away, boys. E- Eagles have <laughs> oh. a top seven roster in the NFL. Saying it right now. That's bold. I, the one honorable mention I had. I'm sorry, I forgot. It was actually here for the Browns. It was like um, UPS. What can Brown do for you? Why are they not sponsoring the goddamn Browns? That's too easy. Well, UPS because the because the Browns haven't done much for them before. So why would why would UPS? That's do true. That? That's why you got to you got it like you're saying you got to hop in on good years, abandon the sponsorship when they're bad. And the toilet paper <laughs> one would have worked well for the Browns too. Yeah, yeah. that would have worked. I was thinking literally. Or a toilet sponsor, right? you know, American Standard. <laughs> uh, speaking of sponsors, tune in next pod when we have our first ever sponsor on the show uh excited to to debut that next week so that's all we got it was a long standard two-hour read option pod we had a lot to get through thank you all for listening we love you thank you for staying patient with us we'll be back on friday brand new episode coming up we'll talk to you guys then take it easy everybody